What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm Justin Allen. This is Walter Allen. Uh, we got our good buddies here, Chris Monroe and Josh Lamp. This is episode four of the Shakedown. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about tracking deer for our buddies here, uh, the longest track that Walter's ever done. Um, Chris is kind of just getting back into bow hunting, so he's going to tell us a little bit about that. And with that, I will uh, I'll let you go, Walter. Yeah, I want to say thank you to Sean Butler for yep. having us last week. That yep. was really interesting. Good, good, a lot of good information, a lot of good uh, tricks and techniques and trade secrets and a lot of good stories. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, pretty good to sit down with somebody else that's tracked a whole lot of deer with dogs and kind of compare notes and see the similarities in it. You know, We was pretty similar on a lot of things. On a lot of things, yeah. The... Uh, it was fun listening to him talk about the broadheads. Yeah, I liked, yeah. The, I liked his take on that. Yeah, the first thing he said was... That was a little small diameter broadheads. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, Chris, you killed a nice buck this year? It, it was a good buck for me, for sure. Yeah. And uh, it was the first bow kill I've made in 18 years. Really? Yeah. Did you shoot it with a, a crossbow? No, I shot it with a... Uh, compound? Compound bow. The, uh, what kind of bow you shoot? A bear. A bear. Yeah. You just bought that. Just bought it, eh? I just bought it, yeah. You like it? Um, Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not a top-notch bow. Uh, it's a top-notch bear. Right. But, uh, you know, there's some things I really like about it and some things that I, I certainly could improve, improve upon. But like I said, it was the first time I'd gotten a bow in a long time. Yep. Uh, up until then, I had a 20-year-old uh I don't even remember. Bowtech. 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 Yeah, so. <laughs> it's being yeah. in their garage now. Yeah, so so it was an upgrade from what I had for sure, but the let off is a little odd to me uh, by comparison because it's a it's a higher let off, and I, I don't like it. I like a little more force against it, but overall it's, it's good. And uh, <laughs> what is what is your draw like? Uh, like 85-inch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 32. You're what? 32. 32. Wow. 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, well, depends on what gas station I'm going into, but 6'4", yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. That boat's smoking then. Oh, it's smoking, yeah. It's, it, was, it was fast. Uh, and relative to the Bowtech, I mean, that, it's blowing some serious yeah. smoke. But yeah, so I, I bought a new bow this year uh, that I'd shot. Uh, bear for quite a few years and an elite back and forth and then this year I went and shot all of them and I ended up with a Hoyt again. Oh, that's a nice bow. Yeah. yeah. The uh, I like it. But uh, what kind of broadheads are you shooting? Rage. Rage. There you go. There you go. <laughs> rage. Yeah. First but, first bow kill in eighteen years and he's trying to first remember. Back of rage. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was like throwing a hatchet at it. I yeah. mean, it it opened it up good. So. Uh, that's the first time ever using mechanicals. Uh, you know, these guys are, have been using them for years and, you know, recommended those, and I don't think there's another way to do it. Yeah. The 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 days of the wasp are over. Yeah, the small sure. broadhead, small fixed blades, it sits over. So, Walter, you took the dog out to track that deer, even though he probably didn't need to, but... Nah, he you, didn't need me, but we... You took your dachshund out? Yeah, the little dachshund, first, the first track for that dog, or... Well, he'd been on two or three, but it was the first one where he really shined. Yeah. Uh, How far did that deer go? It probably only made it 100 yards, didn't it? I would say somewhere in that ballpark. It was... Not I, very far. Not very far. Yeah, yeah. Where, where'd you hit that deer at? It was kind of quartered away from me. And it, it went in right behind the shoulder, but it came out behind the last rib. So it got one lung and the liver. Uh, yeah. And, you know, for the first, what, 
10, 15 yards. There was no blood whatsoever. But once and it started, then it started. It was it was pretty good after that. But yeah, you hit them there with a rage. They're not going to survive that. Oh, it was it was a good it was a good quality shot, and I knew it. But you know, Walt and I had talked, and he was just excited as me about the first time getting back in the woods yes. uh, with the bow. And I wanted to be there. He said. Don't even look for it. You call me and we'll get the tracking dogs going. So, what day did you shoot that deer? Uh, you remember the date? It was in November in the rut. It was in November in the rut. Uh, on the tenth or something, wasn't it? It was right. It was right at the pinnacle of the rut, really. And I had hunted on one side of the property for a while and wasn't seeing a lot of activity. So, the you know this the there's a road that divides the two. So I went to the other side and did a little bit of scouting. And I found what I thought would be the best place to place my blind, and I hit it the best I could, and I put myself on a pretty hot trail with uh, a bunch of scrapes, and sure enough, it paid off. So, yeah. so you shoot that deer from the ground? From the ground, yeah. yeah. In a blind. I'm so congested, I can't really talk. Yeah. So the but... first one from a blind with a bow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd never I'd never hunted with a bow from a blind. I had hunted with, with a rifle many times from a blind, but... So what kind of blind did you have? Because I'm sure it's it had to be like nine <laughs> feet tall. I shot the doe sitting in my chair. Sitting through, down. Sitting down through a crack about two inches tall. Did you find it at the big and tall store? <laughs> no, it's just a standard one. I got it at uh, Dunham's, I believe. So I think it was uh, like 45 or 48 inches tall is all it was. So when I'm sitting down, that's about all I that's can it. do. Yep, yeah, that's it. Uh, so, And it was a rifle. Uh, more of a turkey blind than anything, so the little windows only o- opened up so much. Right. So I was, you know, had to gauge where my arrow versus my sight. Uh, you know, I'm sure everybody shot off the hood of a car, and you know that scope ain't where your barrel. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with a bow. For sure. Yep. Did uh, was he chasing a doe or anything? No, he was. Uh, he he come up and he was just eating. I, uh, the the place I chose was a, a place with some pretty heavy acorns. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, there there's bedding areas and and then there's just what I'll call walking through areas out there. And I kind of tried to put myself between where they bed and where they eat, kind of a transition. Try to a transition area, and you know, it it paid off. Paid so. off. Is that the first year that you've seen that deer before? I was. I uh, had it on camera that year, yeah. But that was the first time I'd seen it in person. Yeah. yeah. Did you have pictures of it like years prior? Or? No, no. I uh, like uh, most of my hunting equipment, like my cameras and stuff, was on the other side of the road. But uh, you know, I talked to Walter. It was hot, and then it was not. It was just nothing. So time to move. I moved, and I kind of went in blind, other than the fact that I just kind of knew the area, knew where. Uh, the, the bedding area and the feeding area was. So I, I tried to position myself in the best place. And I'm not opposed to it, but I don't put corn piles out or anything right. like that. I just, whatever's there, I try to hunt within that scope. Well, that was my next question. Uh, I assume you shot that deer on your own property? Yes. So now that you're getting back into it, are you going to do any like food plots or protein and minerals on the off season or? If I do, if I do, it's just going to be uh, just like a natural thing, like uh, you know, disc up a spot and yep. put, put some natural Ooh. feeds in. I, I think I'm still going to avoid like an actual corn pile, right? Like I say, everybody teaches their own. It's, I'm not condemning that, but it's just I don't want to do it. Sure, I wanted a more natural, more yep. organic thing. That's all. Now, is that where you killed your buck at last year? 
I killed the the big buck with the rifle on the other side of the road. But same but property. same farm, yeah. And Josh was with you last year. Yeah. Yeah, and I ruined his hunt as soon as I <laughs> shot it. <laughs> I know. I got yeah. the phone call real early. Yeah, it was just a few minutes later, and he said, shot the big one. <laughs> and it was extremely cold. It was cold. It was very cold. And you knew that deer was there also? I knew that one was there, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had him on camera, and... Uh, that was the first year of owning the property, so I didn't have any prior experience with that other than what we had that year. Right. And uh, I set up cameras and uh, kind of put myself in the best position, and then kind of cutting Josh off. Josh off. Kind of last yeah. minute, Josh says, "Hey, uh, can I go with you?" You know, and I'm like, "Well, sure. You know, we'll figure out a spot for you, no problem." So, uh, put him where he'll run the buck out of daylight. Ultimately, I short stand. <laughs> Yeah, we wasn't far apart, but uh, you called right yeah. after daylight. Yeah, I saw him. He said, Chris done shot. It's over. The worst part was, is uh, you know, that thing come up out of the woods, and there was a big autumn olive bush, and i just seen head and horns come out, and I couldn't see any body. So I had to just look away for like 20 minutes until it worked. Wait, wait, I, I couldn't look at it the whole time. <laughs> there, yeah. It was wearing me out. Now, you killed what this year, Josh? No, I haven't killed nothing this year yet. Oh, yeah. I thought you did. No, you killed a pretty nice one early last year. Last one, I killed a nice one last year. And then the one before, the year before that, you shot one in gun season, and I was yeah. in Lowell that, that day, and I kind of helped. Yeah, you helped me take some nice pictures of it. Yeah. The I think three. you guys saw a big buck riding up on the hill on the yeah. four-wheeler. Yeah. yeah. And you had your gun, and you guys yep. couldn't get yep. get it together to get a shot at your deer. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was, yep, because then you shot one, too, that same year. And then we jumped one walking in. Yeah. You were like, ah, they always come from that direction. I walked over there, that one jumped up and took off. Yeah. And you, that same day, there was 12. Yeah. That 11 or 12 bucks came. I shot the 10th yeah. buck, walked by me that day, chasing, chasing does. Yeah. You know, first day of gun season. So, but uh, it's all chasing one doe. One little doe come through. And how long after the doe came through did the bucks start showing? I mean, for the first 15 minutes to. Four hours later, before I shot it. So from when you saw the doe, the deer you shot came through four hours later trailing yeah. that doe. That's a that's a lot of bucks to see over the first day. Oh, it was unreal. Yeah. And I hadn't had a picture of that deer since first of October. So right now you're real big into archery. Yeah, so you've killed a lot of your bucks with with archery equipment. And he has seventeen bows. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's what I was getting ready to get into. Four hundred arrows. <laughs> I got. So how many bows do you have? You think? Oh, there's ten or twelve hanging. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's no joke. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> you and your daughter shoot competition, right? Yeah, we've been shooting competition the last two years or three years. She's been doing it a little bit longer. Yeah, so you guys won any competition? Yeah, or? she's won at the worlds. You know, he has too. We both won just under the hunting class. So, oh, nice. The that's same day, first, right? Yeah, the same day, first year together shooting it. So, you got your pictures taken together shot at the IBO Worlds, so it was it's pretty good. It was pretty neat to do it together. Yeah, how old is Riley? She was 16 now. She did it at 14, so. But does she, does she like to hunt as well? Not really. Not really? <laughs> she likes to shoot the bows. Yeah, she likes shooting the bows, but can't get her to hunt, so. Huh. Yeah, the, uh, so you still got, what, two weeks left at Ohio that you could get? two though. weeks, yeah. Yeah. Got some nice deer coming. Got nice deer on camera, but just hadn't made it happen. Yeah. Well, so a little bit of time, like I said, Walter killed one 
that's yeah. the last day there a few years ago. So the uh, <clears throat> back was it the first year that you started tracking, or the well it would probably be the second year when you tracked his deer. It would have been the third year. Third year, two thousand eight. Yeah, that was when we were pretty due to it. That was probably sunny. the first twenty five tracks. Yeah, that was sunny right? behind a dog. It was with Sonny. Yep. So tell us a little bit about that track. Well, it was the longest track we definitely got to walk on. And uh, it was probably six hours. Six hours. <laughs> One of his good friends was a local. Yeah. And he knew everyone. Uh-huh. So every time we'd come to a property line, he'd get permission. Right. And then we'd continue. Yeah. But uh, he had permission to slip in his pocket, what, yeah. 15 minutes? 15, 20 minutes, yeah, right after... Got the permission slip and got set up in the tree stand and went straight hunting from getting the permission slip really? at like eight o'clock in the morning. He was in the tree by what eight thirty? Yeah, nine eight thirty, nine o'clock, and uh, shot that deer in the first fifteen minutes. The other buddy never even made it to his tree stand yet, <laughs> and he's like, "Man, I just dropped you off. You're you're just lying. never scouted, never yeah. been in there. Some guy take a plywood, yeah, walked in with a armor. Yep. Some guy had just come driving out there with his truck, and I thought, man, I've already took the day off from work, so I'm just going to pick a tree and climb right up it. And you said you thought it was Veterans Day? Yeah, I think it was November 11th, uh, 2008. November 11th, 2008. <laughs> so he called me, and he said, uh, I made a perfect shot. He smoked. <laughs> but uh, bring the dog anyway. It would be great practice. Yeah. Because the main goal was to make Sonny a tracking dog. Right. So we was going to put him on every track we could. So when I got there, he showed me where the deer was standing, and for some reason it stands out in my mind that you had your bow, your pen set on 20 yards. Yeah, I shoot 20 yards. 30. 38 yards. 38 yards shot. And I was thinking, did you adjust your pen? And you said, no, I just put it on him, squeezed the trigger, and center punched him. Yeah. That and deer ducked that much at 38 yards it still got it it was it looked like a perfect shot it's right behind the shoulders in and out clean pass through what kind of broadhead was it that was a muzzy 90 grain yeah that was my next question yeah muzzy there we go four blades the record it was bladed muzzy where'd you hit that deer perfectly right through the i mean you would think it was through the lungs i think it was a good double lung shot the blood and everything right good good blood just a strong deer. Yeah. And he just small broadhead. Yeah. So we started deer. We started tracking. We went right up over the top of the hill and down the other side and there was just steady blood trails. Foamy clusters of lung blood. It was pink lung blood. And it was on everything. There was tons and tons of blood. It was just clusters. I'm talking chunks of, of soap sud like clusters. Right, right. It was obvious lung blood. And we probably tracked it the first no. Oh. 450, 500 yards, and it went up on top of that big hill, didn't it? I think that, it went that, up the hill then. It's been a long time ago. So. Oh, yeah. So it went up on top of that hill, and that were, that's, that's where we dumped it. Yeah, out of the, the cedar thicket. And there was a bed clear full of foamy lung blood clusters, and as it come off that hill, I can, I can't throw it in me. <laughs> it's trying to be the star of the show. Yeah. As it, as it come off the hill, I can remember the blood on yeah. the trees. And going down through there, it wasn't extremely high. There was probably blood about that high, but there was yeah. blood, just a steady, the amount of blood was amazing. You just never thought it went that far. I mean, right. And that's when it went down across Duck Creek. Across, across the Duck Creek. 
And as soon as we got to the bottom, I believe we seen it going across that going, field. Yeah, it, it did run across the field. It's probably it 400 yards away or something. When did we, it bed yeah. nail before it crossed the, that? No, it just jumped it. It just jumped it. So it, it, when it made it clear across the field and across the creek, over into some houses. So how far do you think it went before it bedded? Probably 450, mm -hmm. 500 yards the first time. Yeah. So you think if you would have just left it, it would have died there? I don't, Hang think, on, I don't, don't think it would have died at all. Died, yeah. I think it was a high lung shot. It was just I lucky. Your only chance of getting a high lung shot is to push them. Right, right. So you guys just continued to ask for yeah. it. Kept getting the license and yep. got yep. permission. We sat there and waited. Then we, we continued. Go to the next farm. and It was farm after farm. At one point, we're walking right beside a house, and there's a good blood trail, and there's still foamy clusters of lung blood. And we're walking right by the house. And we even walked right by a, a wood burner, an outside wood burner. There was, oh, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah. So then it came to a, like a little cross, a roadway, and you look up, and there's a tree stand about 50 yards, and the deer would turn. Mm. And then we'd follow it for a ways, and you look up, and there's another tree stand. And it's like the deer would turn just out of range. Just out of range. Yeah. Like he knew where the range was. Yep. He never would go in underneath those tree stands. Huh. And this track went on for hours and hours. Of yep. course, we would sit and wait, and we would stop. You know, we, back then, we didn't know to continue. We thought, you stop and let it die. Right. You just wait and give it time, and it'll die. But we tracked and tracked, and we got permission over and over. Yep. So it went on for, I'd say, close to six miles. Six miles. And close to six hours. Yep. That's a lot. So It was a lot up and downhill. In the beginning... You know, as long as you're getting blood, you keep going. You know, I got the dog. The dog wants to go. I don't know that the deer is going to live. I don't know. You know, we're 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 learning as we go. Yeah. There was no book. There was no uh, social media to to look at back yeah. then. You know, it was Th all. This was like the first on. twenty tracks or so. That, yeah, uh, that we'd ever followed a dog. If you had that to do today, would that just be a survivor? That would be a survivor. Yeah, yeah. you'd call that off. Yeah, yeah. So every time we saw the deer. It looked a little weaker, and, you know, we knew it was getting weaker because we had pushed it a long, long ways, and the amount of blood had lost it. It looked like you'd had to take a five-gallon bucket to, to, to mimic that track, to make that blood trail again. So how often did it bed? It was about every 450, 500 yards. It was getting closer, and yeah, we get closer to it, and then you jump back up. And then it a little bit shorter bed yeah. back down. Yeah. Jump back up, a little bit shorter bed back down. And eventually, uh, you just got back up to it. Yeah, you know, we crossed the creek four times that day. So just back and forth. Yeah, obviously the deer did go six miles in a straight line. Yeah, it, it was a big circle, big circle, big circle, and it, and some of it was almost over top itself. It goes yeah. on top of a big giant hill, and we jump it on top of that hill, and it'd run right straight back down. So a lot of it was almost over top its own track. Right. So it, I can remember being in at one point. We was down in that creek. And we was coming up through that creek with Sonny, and Sonny was real bucky, you know, he was real birdie. He was looking around like I knew we was close. And uh, I heard something, and as I look up, the deer comes off the creek bank. It was almost <laughs> jumping over top of us. And it lands in the middle of the creek. And when it landed, it was going up through there, and you could tell it was just weak. Getting weak. And it, it, it crossed the creek and went out of sight. So we all got together and crossed the creek, and I don't know, yeah. there was probably three or four of us by the Yeah, and it was... Yeah, I know it was me, you, and Tyson, but it seemed like yeah. there was a couple. What, was Jared there? Maybe uh, I, I don't remember. There if we was made it there yet, or a couple other people. I'm 
thinking right. with us. But I remember you guys started up the creek, and Sonny wanted to go up the hill. And everybody was convinced it went down or up yeah. the creek because it couldn't have went up the hill. You know, right. It was too weak. But we'd done tracked it for hours, and uh, I knew Sonny was going the right way. we got to follow Sonny. Because it bled real good up till oh. the end, and that last time it crossed the creek, we hadn't found blood. Right. See which way to go. So I followed Sonny up the top of the hill, and it was a big, steep hill. It was probably 150 yards up that hill. Yep. And uh, just as I get to the top, me and Sonny is now all alone. I look to my left, and I can see his buck standing down there about 150 yards. And uh, me and Bus, Sonny just took off running hard as we could. Towards it. Towards it. And uh, when we got down there, instantly he'd spun around on Sonny, and Sonny's a barking. Well, it didn't want to run. It was just standing there fighting. Yeah. And I can remember hiding behind this big tree, watching the deer fight that dog. And the dog was barking and barking, and the deer's taking his horns, trying to get the dog. And I was taking pictures with my camera, sneaking out. <laughs> Every time I'd peek out around the tree, that deer'd look at me, and boy, it was scary, you know, that deer staring me down. Yeah. And I knew, I knew it was just going to be a minute. But Sonny was barking, barking, barking. Yeah, you could just hear him barking, going crazy. I had two hundred yards to go. Yeah. To try to catch it. Catch it to. I'm trying to run through there. It was really dry, really crunchy. You could. And I knew any second when he heard Sonny, he was going to know what what it was. Yeah. He right. was going to come running. And I can remember hearing him come, but I turned around and looked. It looked like his feet. I'm telling you, he. <laughs> It looked like he was turning circles. He was coming that grid, yeah. perma grid. He he knew what was coming, yeah. and he come in there and the the. And I I stayed back. Yeah. He went running in there, and him and Sonny was just uh, just over this little crest. It wasn't, and you shot the deer two more times, yeah. didn't you? Two more shots. It wasn't chasing her no more. So I mean, yeah. luckily the first shot, you know, kind of spined it, gave it another shot and pitted it out. Mm. And that was uh, it was a long day, but. It was well rewarding and still your biggest buck today, didn't it? Yeah, it was one of the biggest bucks today. Well, did you look at Walter and say, "Told you"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that. Perfect shot. Yeah, perfect shot. <laughs> Easy was, track. Was perfect yeah. shot. Well, he was right. It was yeah. good practice. So when yeah. we got done, uh, we was probably within 150, 200 yards yeah. where it started from where it started. Yeah, it was a it big circle. Big circle. And it was probably within 100 yards where the blood trail come over the hill. Yeah. The first it wasn't far at all. A minute. In your experience, like when you see blood like that, uh, you know, is it like motor oil a, a little bit looks like a lot or can you, is it a good indicator when you see that? So the amount of blood means nothing. Nothing. Unless you find your deer. Right. Uh, the amount of blood just, what means everything is what's in the blood. Right. So when you find them bubbles, there's clusters of soap suds looking bubbles, the pink soap suds looking out foam. Foam. You know where you've hit it. That's that's a lot of blood, yeah. So if you see the dark red blood. Well, yeah. if you see dark red could blood, be. it could be artery or just this heavy blood. But liver blood is usually not pretty. It's usually dirty looking, almost like it has coffee grains in it or specks. Or it just isn't pretty. Sometimes it looks like muddy water. That like bright, pretty red blood is usually like a, a muscle blood. Even if it's thick and heavy, it still can be muscle blood. What means everything is what is in the blood. What's the blood look like? So when you get on that blood trail and there's just tons and tons of lung blood, pink soap suds, pink yeah. clusters, and you make it three, 400 yards, and you're not finding the deer, he's not laying there dead, you're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's just too far to be fatal for the lungs. 
So the lungs are kind of like a boat. Um, if you get a hole in your boat, a small hole in your boat, and the water comes in, and you're able to bail the water out faster than it comes in, the, stay, the boat stays afloat. Mm -hmm. But if you get a big hole in your boat, and the water rushes in faster than you can bail it out, you sink. And that's how the lungs work. You know, everybody pictures them as a balloon, and when you get a hole in it, the balloon now has a hole in it and can't hold air. Well, the lungs are more like millions of little tiny balloons clustered together. So when you shoot through there, you pop a bunch of balloons, but you d they still continue to work. Uh, the lungs don't fail. They drowned. So arteries, if you get a fatal artery hit, they fail. They quit pumping blood to the proper places, and they die. The oxygen stops, and they die. And same way with the heart. But uh, the lungs don't fail. They, uh, they must drown. So when you're looking at that blood, you really want to look at what's in the blood. And if it's that clean, red, pretty blood, it's not always good. Not always good. Yeah, so what people call it, they say, I've shot it, I've tracked it three or 400 yards, and you know, there's just no way it can live. There's just so much blood. That's usually like a terrible sign. Like if it's bleeding so much that it's going to die, like you're going to find You'll it. You'll find it. Yeah. If it goes hundreds of yards and it's still bleeding a lot, it's not good. Several times I've been on a track and it looks like a massacre. It could just be just tons and tons of blood and it just comes to nothing. So, and over and over those deer just show back up on camera two weeks later. Well, go ahead. So, like when we tracked mine this year, like the first 15 yards, you know, there wasn't anything. But then once it started, it was spraying trees and that was a sign of organs and lungs and cutting out his nose. There's little spray, little specks. Yeah. Yeah. It signs it might be coming out of his nose when he exhales. Gotcha. So that that would be more what you're looking for for like a guaranteed kill, like stuff in the blood, dirty blood. No, you don't no. want to see pretty. If it reminds you of your blood, most likely there's no organs involved. Now sometimes the blood you're seeing is the exterior wound, especially with a big broadhead. Right. Uh, it's the skin blood that that first blood you see, especially for the first couple hundred yards. A lot of it is the exterior I'm wound blood. Pumping. It hasn't clotted yet, so you know it. it <laughs> You might not see that good organ blood for 50 yards or 60 yards. So when you see the big chunks of coagulated blood, uh, you know, that's probably not just a skin wound. That's something more, more Could fake. be artery. Yeah. Okay. So you want to look at your era. One of the first things I tell everybody is first thing you want to do is wait. You want to sit there and wait. You don't want to get out too early. Worst thing you can do is go, t go too soon and jump the deer. That ruins it. I mean, that, that, takes your chances away. But uh, after you get down, give it plenty of time. You want to look for your era. That era tells you a lot. If you can find that era, that, that, that helps 100% see what's on that era. If it's clean looking, you know to back out and leave. If there's guts on it, you know to back out and leave. If there's lung blood there, wait. I'd say wait a couple hours and go look. If you make it 300 yards and you don't find your deer, you want to back out and wait. Call professional. Call a dog. Call a dog. So when I shot this deer right here, I shot it, and I did. I didn't even see where the, the arrow hit it, and I got down and I found blood. So I called Walter, and uh, we tracked that deer like 600 yards, and there was blood the whole way, wasn't there? Great blood the whole way. Like I thought for sure we were going to. It was find like two it. in the morning when we quit, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought for sure we were going to find it like any minute, and uh, it come to a bed. It in that bed there was like a quarter size drop of blood and then out of that bed there was nothing no dog didn't track nothing two days later the deer was back on camera in the same spot i shot it 
And then you killed the deer. I killed the deer across the farm. I, yep, I moved like ten days later, thousand yards or so, and two weeks later I killed it. Yep, it was real random. You yeah. never knew where it was going to be. Yeah, no, he was all over the place. I had pictures of that deer for three years, and I had no way ever seen him twice in daylight. Well, I wounded him once, and I killed him the second time. Yeah. And where did you hit him when you wounded him? So he was kind of down below me. I was up above, so it's pretty high. He was kind of quartered away, and I. I'm assuming I, I caught a limb, and I actually hit the deer right behind the ear. And That's what happens when you're looking at the horns. Yeah. 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 So whatever we found it, at, when I shot it, he's like, holy cow, look at that. And on its left side of his face, there's a scar. And that arrow broke off at the back of his ear. And this, there was six inches of arrow with the broadhead. Tip of the broadhead. Was <laughs> peeking out of the skin on the opposite side. And I actually think, as weird as it sounds, it played a part of me being able to kill a deer because he never really daylighted. And all of a sudden, he started to hit this other spot on the other side of the farm with this corn pile that I put out. And I went in, and it was November night, I think. And uh, there was a buck come up, and he was eating out of corn. This doe come out, running out past me, and he was chasing her. And I'll never forget it. When he was grunting, he sounded like a squeaky toy. I remember that. Yeah, and and I think that I think his jaw was like locked jaw, so he couldn't really eat anything. And, and he would he started to come to that corn pile like every single day, and uh, that buck was up there eating out of the corn. And that that deer went and chased that doe, but thankfully this buck heard that buck coming through, and walked over to the edge, and started making a scrape. And that deer turned around and come back to see what this deer was doing, and I I shot him. And when you shot him, he made it probably 300 yards. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, whatever I got down that called you, I looked just right there where I shot, found the arrow. Wasn't much blood. There wasn't hardly any blood at all to the deer. And I shot it with, uh, I shot it with a fixed blade. Uh, the, uh, with ram cat. Ram cat. Yep. That's what I was going Shot it with a ram cat, uh, hit it back, like through the guts. Yep. And, uh. It, it didn't it. make it that far. It was all downhill. Yeah. Straight towards Probably the Probably 300 yards, yeah. But I remember looking down at that big rack. Uh-huh. And looked really cool. You could see it <laughs> laying down there. Oh, I could imagine. Well, it, it was kind of nerve-wracking, though, because I was hunting in this park, right? I had permission to hunt in there. A bunch of people hunted there. Walking trails. There's walking trails everywhere. And, and they, like, weave through the property. So... There's nowhere that you could really get that's far enough off of a trail that you can't see the trail. So, like, I'd be hunting there. There'd be people walking by me, walking their dogs. And I'd just sit up in a tree in my tree stand. Like, they're walking right by me. They got no idea. And uh, I was scared to death that once we found it, that we would get back to it before somebody would walk through and, and steal it. But uh, So that was where you... So we drug it back to the creek and, and hit it. And I remember it we went up there and got it. Then we went and got the full wheeler and went in and got it. So that was the same property where you wrestled the deer. Yeah, yeah. So the deer that's over there by kitchen, The uh, I just posted a video of it the other day. Some of the people probably seen it, but uh, that was 2015. I shot a deer, hit it back. I knew I did. And uh, I don't know, we waited quite a while, probably four or five, five hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. And me, you, Oak, and my buddy Lee went in, and we started tracking that deer. Had and, bear. Yeah, and radar. bear and radar. And uh, we come down over a hill, and he was laying there. And when we first seen him, I, like, he looked dead. He was just laying there on his side, head down. <laughs> we didn't take no bow. We didn't take no gun. No, didn't have nothing. So uh, 
We didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. It was still early in our tracking career. This is like, were you, you weren't on crutches, but no. but it was pretty the close after the yeah, next year. Okay. So, Walter's up on the hill. Unk goes down with radar, walks up to the deer. The deer picks his head up. So, Unk grabs a hold of its right side. Of we wasn't ready for Unk to grab it. No, we weren't ready for it to grab it. So, now Unk's got his dog and his leash in this hand. He's, this deer starts thrashing him. So, that I run over, grab a hold of the rack, and the deer stands up. So, I got this sweet picture of me and Unk holding this deer's head and its body standing up like that. And my buddy Lee come over and we shoved it down and, and Oak got on top of it and I hold it down and, and stabbed it. This is a year after I was on. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing I'm not the Get him, guys. You guys get him. Help him. Get in there. So, uh, but anyway, I mean, that deer was definitely going to die probably within the next hour. So Yeah. That's not what we wanted to happen. No, no. The, uh, we sometimes it's kind of fun. Well, yeah, the uh, it's interesting. It's scary. You get yeah. <laughs> was it fun, Walter? <laughs> I was fun for me. You got to get in there, guys. Go get him. There he is. You know, it was funny because uh, he's like, "You guys go get it." I already been through that. Broke my ankle. Yeah. Got stabbed. But it's not the way we yeah. like it to happen. If, no. if it was our choice, we would finish him off immediately with a gun. But uh, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that people don't understand is everybody's like, "Well, why don't you just shoot it again?" Well, I don't have my bow with. Yeah, things happen. We didn't plan. Right. And, yeah. and when it's spur of the moment, you're not really thinking exactly right. You know, no. hindsight's twenty twenty. But, but I mean, we, when you're there, you're afraid the deer is going to leave. There's people around. You don't want the people to see the deer wounded. Yeah. The, uh, just a lot of things going through. Our head. I didn't want the dog around. And In a, in a perfect scenario, we would have just backed out, waited another hour or so, and walked back. Yeah. Found him dead. But uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, every time. I walked up on it, grabbed a hold of it, and then the same same scenario. It's in that park. Yeah, and I'm like, man, the last thing I want to do is run through the park is see this deer get up and run through the park and run it past people or whatever. But uh, but yeah, no, we got that one. Um, uh, I think that's the only one of my deer that we've tracked that we had to grab a hold of. Well, except when I was like eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now. Josh and I tracked one for some friends of yours, Edie and Greg. From nice. last year. Well, uh, the year, several years ago, we tracked the doe. Yeah. Remember, we had Bobby oh, yeah. and Sonny and Bear. I think I took all three dogs. And it was interesting how it. That deer around. made it clear to the neighbors. Yeah. Made down on, pretty much on his porch. It actually, mm-hmm. the blood trail went, there was a like a circle driveway out front of his log cabin. And there was a big flower planter in the middle of that. It actually went up over the planter, down the other side oh. behind the garage. Holy cow. And we found it there behind yeah. the garage. Well, when we got there, it was still alive. And uh, that was, yeah, that was in the beginning too. That was yeah. in the beginning. When we tackled it. You just knock on the door. And, yeah, we went and got permission. Guess Excuse what? me, but here is in your flower bed. <laughs> and they wanted to see the blood, and we showed them the blood trail, you know, would and it was right through their front yard. It was like it was hiding in their garage. Yeah. yeah think about those people that do like the urban hunts where they you oh. know, have you go in and do those select. Uh, I, I just couldn't imagine just walking into somebody's backyard, you know. No, so the, uh, we got it legal a few years ago to hunt in this housing development at, in Parkersburg. And one of the gentlemen that helped us do it lived in that housing development. And uh, 
legitimately this housing development basically surrounded this little field like that figured off in a couple of ways so like everybody was hooked the same spot basically and uh a buddy of mine shot a doe and it literally run right up that creek right into somebody's backyard just died in their backyard <laughs> the uh yeah they, there are just too many deer in there yeah i mean they're they're everywhere and, you know, I live here in Parkersburg too, right beside the city park. Yeah, you see, you see big bucks walking through the cemetery all the time. I get great big ones walking through there. Yep. It's amazing. About three years ago in February, you called me. You live in the, on a cul-de-sac. Yeah. He called me and he says, I'm standing on my front porch and I can count 28 deer. Yeah. My. Yeah, it literally can, me and the daughters can shake a bucket and here comes a deer. I mean, yeah. it don't matter. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I don't know how many years they've been doing that, but... Uh... I know several people that do it. There's been some big bucks killed in the city of Parkersburg over the last few years from it. Uh, I stick my trail camera up in the yard. And yeah, just to get pictures of them. That big one they just killed in Parkersburg two years ago. or So it, it was in my yard. So what, what surprises me about that is I had a buddy of mine that had pictures of that deer in his backyard. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it was a few miles apart through town. So how many yards and roads and everything was that deer traveling through to, to get to there? So... From your house, that he lived basically at the traffic circle, Parkersburg, yeah. just right up from that. Yeah, it's probably a mile and a half, you know, two straight lud. Yeah. yeah. There's one ridge that runs through the graveyard. It comes right to the back of my house. So, yeah, it seems like they're always walking that. Right. Is that the one, the one that was in your yard, is that the one that, that the city cop ultimately shot? Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I got videos of it the year before. All over the graveyard there, so it, yeah, that was a big one. Then Walter works for somebody that uh, pictures I took of a great big nine pointer that was old Larry, Larry 20, Smith, twenty five inches wide. You know, it was tail in town. It was walked right up my driveway. I was going bow hunting, and that thing was walking right up the street <laughs> yeah. right beside me. You're going to Ohio to yeah. to the deer hut. So yeah. that deer's walking up. Yeah, I <laughs> I drove over in the graveyard and was blowing my grunt calling. You know, the guy's like, well, shoot it. And I was like, I can't shoot it. Yeah, shoot it there. Yeah. <laughs> but I did take a lot of nice pictures of it. Right. And then when, yeah, Walter said, oh, there's this deer right here at this place. I'm like, oh, I got the picture of it. Yeah. So it's pretty neat to see the end of it. Well, I think it's necessary that they do those urban hunts to think about, you know, because if not, there's just more of getting hit by cars and everything. But, oh, uh, yeah. But every time that there's a big buck like that, that people start to recognize they're feeding it in their backyard all yeah. the time. Whenever somebody does shoot it, even if they shoot it 100% legit and legal, it does make a lot of people bad. It the, does. Uh, well, when that guy killed that big buck a couple years ago, I mean, for weeks, uh, all I seen was, was pictures and videos of it coming up to people's backyards and eating all the bird feeders. And, and uh, yeah, it made a lot of people mad. There's a, a pure albino doe out where where I live, out in New England area there, and I just know someday somebody's going to shoot that thing, and I already know how the, the locals are going to feel about it. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah there's Cause, you know, it comes on my property all the time, uh, and I see it all the time. People feed it. Uh, it's a known deer, and it's my third year living out there, and it was there well before I got there. Right. So... The locals have definitely approached it at a, at a more, we're going to conserve that one. Uh, there's That's a cool. the, uh, Everybody gets on the same page, but there will be some random person that shows up one day to hunt. It'll walk off a couple miles. It has no idea, or that deer will walk off and, and it'll get shot. Yep. I think most hunters, all of us, 
you know, part of it is a love of nature and a, a co- conservation part of it. You know, it's not just kill. You That's know? right. Uh, you you got to love the woods and be in it a little bit because you spend more time doing that than you do shooting. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Walter and I were talking about that the other day. You know, the uh, there's so many anti-hunters that don't have any understanding of why we hunt or, or the reason behind it or the fact that if we didn't hunt at all, there wouldn't be any deer. They would all end up with diseases, and and, and the, they wouldn't be here. The uh, the people that care about the deer the most are, are the hunters, and uh, they spend the most money trying to take care of them and manage the herds and feed them and and uh, balance everything out. But uh, yeah, you can't you can't win that argument. Every one of us here, like you know, in the spring, if we seen a deer with its head caught in the fence, we'd be over there cutting that fence. Yeah, maybe they're helping. Yeah, absolutely. risking our life. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's not a cruel, it's not a matter of cruelty. Uh, and just like the small broadhead, every one of us wants that perfect shot, you know, to make it, you know, painless for the tracking, but also, you know. Painless for the deer, right, right by the deer. You don't want it to lay there and suffer. No. It'll be quick. And we've all had those less than admirable shots, too, you know, where it hits a limb or you get a little. Hey, you get buck fever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's a live target. Yeah, and here's reaction is probably about 750 feet per second. See, uh, quite a bit faster than our fastest bows. I, I filmed a buddy of mine shoot uh, at a deer a few years ago, and we were 25 yards. It was a pretty good level change there, and uh, it was an eight point that was coming at all time. And I was like, "Well, why don't you come shoot this deer? I don't want to shoot it, but you know, he'd shoot it." And uh, it come in perfect, 25 yards. I'm filming it. He shoots. And by the naked eye, it just looked like he overshot it. I was yeah. like, how'd you, how'd you miss it at 25 yards? So then we go put it on the, my big computer and start slowing it down. And kid you not, dude, the shot was perfect. But that deer ducked so fast, its brisket hit the ground. And he overshot it. That deer spun and was, was out. How far was he? 25 yards. In a compound? Well, yep. I did it two years ago. The, the year that you come up and helped me find my yep. buck. Yeah. Two weeks before that, I missed one at 15 yards. and With your bow. With my bow. Yep. Well, and I had another shot. Yeah, I ran out 25 yards and missed again. I, yeah, you I, was, ran, I was ready to throw that bow out of the tree. Or I, call, I said, that bow is it's going. And luckily, it didn't. I, I never. World champion archery shooter yeah. over here. Yeah. You put $20 on the line. And he, he, he can't handle the pressure. The, uh, but I think, I think the... Uh, goes back to Walter and I saying shoot center mass of the body. The the front of that body with that deer ducks, the back of his body doesn't duck deer as much. So yeah. like brisket down, but center of the body still stays same elevation. You're not gonna So on a deer that ducks that well at twenty five it, do you feel that's a situation where the bow is making too much noise? Maybe there's a whistle in it. What gives that away? Nature's was a look. Yeah, nature's that fast. Well, yeah, I mean, but something clued that deer in. Oh, he heard it. Yeah, so just the speed of sound is what, and then five hundred. It's like six hundred. So that I think. Have you ever have you ever shot had somebody shoot a bow like they're standing here, the target's here. Then have you ever like sat here while they shot it, so the air is crossing? Yeah, you can hear the air coming. That air is loud. Yeah, yeah, through the air. It's yeah. moving a lot of air. Yeah. We, di- we did it a few months ago, right after I bought that Hoyt. I was sitting here shooting it, and my buddy was sitting on the porch, and I was out in front of him shooting, and uh, 
played the video back, and I was like, holy bull. Yeah. Like, they, you could definitely hear it. At SciTech, they used to have a 3D range, and the, one of the last targets was 100 yards at an elk. Yep. And you got a real good feel for it, you know. Hear that air you coming. Hear that uh, thing yeah. coming real well. Well, I also think it depends time of the year. I mean, if they're yeah. coming in chasing a doe or something and they're just oblivious and being stupid, not paying any attention, that they're not as likely to duck as, you know, a quiet day. They're coming in to nibble on your corn pile or something. Yeah, each each deer is definitely different. Yeah. I mean, the reaction time is so fast. I tell everybody if you're uh, hunting on bait, especially with a crossbow, 20-yard pin out to 40, because they're going to duck into it every time. Forget yeah. about the 30-yard pin. Yeah. Is that what happened to you when you used your 20-yard pin? Oh, yeah. 38-yard fisher? Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Ducked right into him. Ducked right Which I, I shot it. I, I usually leave my shoot that single pin, leave it at 20 yards. Now I've got to where I leave it on 30 yards and uh, shoot it up close and far away. So. See, I use a single pin adjustable, and I set it at 25 yards. And then I will, yeah. I practice with that same pin from 15 yards to 40 yards. Yeah. Without moving it. Without moving it. So you know where your bow yeah. hits. And usually, you know, at ours, it's dropping 10, 10 inches at yeah. 40 yards. Right. The, uh, and it's, I don't even think it's quite that bad when you're at a tree stand at yeah, elevation. Probably, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, that 25 yard pin out to 40, I feel I don't have to move it. Size? Oh, go right ahead. You have a dial, but you just don't use it? Correct. Yeah. Now, if I'm like certain, out to a certain distance, so like I'll 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 set all my pins for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever it'll go out to. Uh, but when I hunt, I just I leave it at 25, range it. And if it's anything out to 40, I'll shoot with the 25-yard pin. Yeah. Just make a little bit of adjustment on it, just like mentally. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's yeah. 60, you now, likely have time to make Yeah. Now, if it's walking at 50, 60 yards, I, that deer I shot in Illinois a couple years ago, same setup, and I shot it at 60 yards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if out past 40, all the lines are marked 40, 50, and, uh, yeah, just range and change it then, yeah. I'm not good enough to shoot past 40, so I don't even worry about that. Uh, I don't like to, but. Yeah, if it's out there feeding. Rare occasion. And if it gives you an opportunity, well, it's head down, and I think you have that opportunity to take the shot. Yeah, kill them unless you shoot at them. Well, I, I. I'm uh, sure you're probably the same way, but when I'm shooting at my house, I'll shoot more at 40, 50, 60, 70 oh, yeah. than I will at inside of 30. And then when I do shoot inside of 30, I shoot way better. Oh, way better. Makes all the difference. You yeah. know, we've been practicing with this 3D, and it, it makes a lot of difference. Yep, absolutely. What kind of bow are you shooting, Josh? Shooting at Matthews, 27. I, I really like it. That's what you're hunting with? Yeah. Just small, compact. Radius broadhead. Shooting the rage, you know, after I had the long track job, I went to rage the next deer. Shot that first doe, and it looked like I hit it with a hatchet. Been shooting rage ever since. Been rage. I've personally shot the three blades, but. How many deer you figure you've killed with the rage? Oh, I've shot at least 10, 12 deer with the rage now. That's most of the last bucks I've shot never made it out of sight. And say how many of them you had to track. You know, 30 seconds, <laughs> they were on the ground. 30 yards to 40 yards away from the yeah. tree stand. Maybe. I think the only deer we've tracked with the dog for you was just for for practice. Yeah. Shot that doe there. She took a step, you know, hit her a little bit farther back, but. I don't think didn't. we've tra had to track any that, of them. Not after that, really. All practice. And you're going to stick with the rage? 
Oh my, yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to do a commercial for him, but it ain't fair. <laughs> yeah. You gonna stick with the bear, probably. Huh? You gonna stick with the bear? No, I think I, I think uh, you ought to just take this Hoyt I got here. Oh yeah, I'm sure it comes with a hefty price tag <laughs> too. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'll, I'll probably buy another one before next year. If I spend, you know, if if I, you know, this year was my first year and I was successful, and it just drives the spirit to do it more. Yeah. But if I stay at it consistently, and the past couple of years I have done the one thing that I haven't done, which is spend time. You know, it, it takes time if you're going to be successful. You, you can kill deer anytime you want, you know, especially in West Virginia. There's too many of them. But if you're going to get a large buck, you've got to spend some time. And I I put that time in, and I plan on doing it again. And I will upgrade uh, for yeah. sure once I've proven to myself that, you know, it's what you need. It's where and I don't tear my shoulder back apart. So Yeah, how's your shoulder doing? It it's holding up under the strain, but I I got fifty pounds in me, and that's it. What did you do different? I went to physical therapy for a year, and did you have surgery? No, they they my doctor decided it was non-surgical just to go to physical therapy, and they put these rubber bands on me and this that and I thought, man, what a joke! Yeah, I didn't think it was doing anything, but sure enough, but it helped. It did help. It so you're shooting fifty pounds, fifty pounds, and. You know, the no, the way I know the shoulder's not perfect is that's all I can get. Right. And, you know, I'm a big person. I can pull a lot of weight, you know, prior to the injury. So, uh, but you got a complete pass through this year. 50 pounds did it. Yeah. Yep. Complete pass. So, <laughs> my Cole, he, he went and bought this Hoyt uh, RX, might have been an RX7 carbon off a guy. He doesn't know anything about bows. He, he texted to me and, and, uh, Told me how much it was. I'm like, that seems like an awfully good deal. They went and got it. It was a 50 pounder. Yeah. And uh, he's like, heck with that. I'm just going to shoot it. And he'd never killed a, like a nice deer with a compound before. And, and uh, he killed a, like 130 inch deer this year with it. Same thing. Shot right through it. Made it 60 he yards. Missed. Yep. I like over in the first race I shot with the old Darton 20 max. Yep. Yeah. 38 pounds as much as it would shoot. Yep. The uh, end. Don't hit it with the shoulder. Yeah. No, I shot right through the ribs and it shot clear through them. So I doubt things. Like you said, if you get the good shot in on them, you know, stay away from the shoulders. Yeah. So shoot, have, shoot the ribs. Have you seen, uh, have you seen bow bars, the new broadhead? So it's like a rage, but the blades are like sprig loaded. So they can, they won't break the ribs. Like if it comes to, they fold out, but then they can like, pivot in I think so if, like it hits a rib it can shriek and goes through and then they spring back open so don't break the blades yeah, yeah. well speaking of that I, don't, I have no idea if it'll work or not it seems kind of, I mean it basically looks like a range with yeah. spring loaded blades that can fold back in and pop back out my, my first experience with rage and I never shot a deer with it but the first time I ever bought them they had like a a rubber band that rubber held band. and today it's a plastic clip and if you snag it on a blade of grass that's over well yeah the they have duads that are called collarless no collars yeah no collars that's what it is the uh the so tags high the i shot an nap kill zone for a couple of years and basically it's like a, a rage but that did have the collars and you just squeeze the blades together they just pop together mm-hmm. i like that part of it because they pull it out of your quiver it doesn't screw up that collar they don't they don't fall off but uh but i went back to the rage but yeah they have the dope now. 
Well, uh, that's if I had to put a knock on them, it's it's that. It's, yeah, that little collar, like I find myself having to screw off the yeah, arrow check. and then rotate that little collar back around and put it back on and tighten it back up. But that's like, the biggest problem I see with the raid is user error. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, carrying them in your quiver too long. Just yeah, you better check them every time I'll you pull them out. Blades. Peace. There's a the biggest complaint I hear is is people saying that they they deploy early, but I think that's user error. I think it's user error mostly. Yeah, and that's probably why they come up with this new no collar design because you can't kind of get screwed up. You hear it click, then they're they're there. But I don't know how much harder it is for them to, to deploy. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they saw that, but they got better eyesight than I do if it's deploying early. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you see your arrow. Yeah. Oh, just the yeah. up of it. Yeah. The arrow messes around, but. Uh, when you were talking about tracking his deer, it made me think of something. You said every time it would get to a tree stand, it would kind of veer off of Like it knew where they were at. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I wounded that big nine. The big nine. How up, many tree stands and, you walked by? And we tracked that thing like. To uh, every tree miles. stand. Every scrape. From, we knew every scrape from. It, from where I shot that deer, it ran basically a straight line until we gave up to the highway. Yeah. Two, three, four yeah. miles away, and it ran under ten tree stands yeah. and, and fifty scrapes. It knew where it, it showed us everything. Knew where they all was. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, car hood scrapes. Remember that big old car hood scrape? Yeah. I mean, it was huge. I just couldn't so, believe that. I mean, that deer. It, obviously, it's like core area was right there where I yeah. I, I shot it, but it, it was obviously traveling a lot farther than that. Like, it didn't run that far just to run. Like, it knew where it was, where it was. That was two then, miles in a straight line. And, and then, it, it was back the next week because I had it on camera. Well, what's we crazy. We run it out of the country. Yeah, what's crazy is, is I never got another trail cam picture of that deer that year, but I seen it from the same tree stand. I wounded it. Like, two weeks later, it walked yeah. by out of distance. And then the next year, I started getting trail camera pictures of it again. And it got killed close to where it got killed. Yeah. It did a few hundred yards of where I shot it. Yeah, no, far at all. Gun season. It'd always be in Dad's yard underneath apple trees. Which it had all kinds of. Which is kind of crazy if you really think about it, because it, it's not close. I mean, it's close, but it's not yeah. real close for where you were getting pictures of it to where I shot it. I mean, it's probably a mile straight line at best. Yeah. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but Penn State did a ten-year study where they tagged hundreds and hundreds of deer in oh, yeah. ten years. They it's, studied that and they it's i haven't read all of it but it's amazing some of the behaviors and patterns that they seen in the whitetail is this the one where they they had the big big block of timber yeah and they sectioned off certain parts of it and let people hunt it yes yeah that is exactly right and in one case the uh one story that they tell there was this one buck and it had kind of lived in a one square mile area its whole life and then just one day it took off and went like five miles away, and then it came right back to that area. And the next time it went to that exact spot, it died. It died there. Really? So it went two journeys in its life, and one of it was to die. And they don't they don't know why. So it's a, it's an interesting thing how they you know how they travel and whether they really see that stand or whether they get just have a sense of it. Uh, that's that's an interesting. I think they know there's human. Yes, a presence. Uh, of yeah. Like, well, they, they know any kind of pressure. Sure. You know, disturbance. Like, I and think, they remember, I don't think the big bucks forget. If they did, they would never come back. No. They'd be lost. I, I think the 
<laughs> They'd be wandering around. I don't, I don't, right. I don't think they forget. <laughs> I think the 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 pressure is what ruins most people from killing their target deer. Like every time you go in there, you 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 cut that chance of killing that deer out of that same spot, you know, in half. Like intrusion is the, the game killer when it comes to that. The uh, there are some studies that say they they can feel like the the cell cameras too. So I'm kind of wondering that because I'm I'm seeing a lot of deer pictures jumping for no reason. Yeah, and so now they have these uh, they have these like grounders or I don't know what what they call them, but basically it's supposed to remove the like magnetic field and, and whatever that the deer feel from those trail cameras. Mine I'm be something when it's on yeah. video. There's not so much on the picture. Maybe I don't see it in the picture by the time they react to it. The picture's passed, but in the video. They'll walk right in, and as soon as they get into that, that whatever it is, the shine, the infrared, what? Uh, the coyotes are doing the same thing. Uh, I've noticed that, especially with the cell cameras, that I have way better luck on getting pictures if I put them up high. Yeah. Like, I I noticed it a lot this year. Regular cell ca- or regular trail cameras, uh, you put waist high, whatever, uh, get pictures. It doesn't seem like it affects. doesn't seem like it bothers them so much, but. The cell cameras, like, I had pictures multiple times this year, you know, cell camera, say this high, deer come in and stop, look right at it, turn around and walk back the way it came. Take that. Get one picture. Yeah. Take that cell camera. So I started taking a three-foot step, putting it on the tree, climbing up that step, putting it in a screw and mount, putting that camera eight, ten feet up in the air, and then it's like they don't have any idea it's there. I don't know if they can. Feel it, or if they didn't wing the corner field this different. year. Yeah, yeah, it definitely made a difference. They, I think mean, they see straight, but yeah, I think they see a little bit of a flash or something. Well, uh, and I run two cameras right beside each other, and uh, basically, what wood catches at the other? Oh yeah, it lights up the deer. One camera, when one camera flashes, they the other one triggers. It, it, it that deer looks like you got a spotlight on it, but it's so, right. I've got a stealth cam and it does make the tiniest of clicks. Yep, that's what I use stealth cameras. Yeah, it's it's very faint, but you can hear it. I I can yeah. hear it because I know it's happening, and I wondered, you know, if a deer would be affected by that because they I don't think they'll have an awareness of what it is like I do. I mean, I know yeah. that it's taking the picture, so I hear that click. Uh, whether they hear it or not, I I don't know. But it it but what thing's for sure is a deer doesn't know what a camera is. Yeah. But when you put that camera up yeah. and it's new, not only is there something that they could see that wasn't there, limbs, you're setting the camera up right, you're dumping out cord, minerals, whatever. It's not just the camera, it's the fact that you were Human there. present. Yeah, you were there. The, you're not, you can't hide that no matter what yeah. you do. Uh, no, we're lucky to get away with it the way we do now. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to beat that nose. Yeah. I can't beat my dog's nose. I'm sure I can't beat a deer's nose. Right. Yeah. So do you do any form of scent control on yourself when you go in to put your corn piles out or check your game cams or? Uh, uh rubber boots. That, yeah. That's about it, to be honest with you. The uh, I try not to hide. Yeah. I think when you hide and sneak, you trigger a predatory instinct in them that makes them more afraid. If they can hear you and see you at a distance... They don't seem to be as bothered. So yeah, it's as like riding a sneaking. 
when you ride by on a four-wheeler, they just look at you. Yeah. But if you're you know, walking, it's a, especially if you're hiding and sneaking, that, that kicks in that predatory. And I think if I had a, a farm that was my own that I could, you know, cut trails and get to, I, I would drive a tractor everywhere I went on that place. It's just, I mean, they're not as spooked by the side-by-sides and four-wheelers as if you were on your feet walking, but they are not afraid of the tractors at all. I don't, this, yeah. you know, especially in farmland and stuff. Aaron. I, I, I got some permission to hunt this piece of property this year, and and, uh, and I asked the farmer, I said, can I take my side-by-side and go put out court? He said, yeah, you can if you want, but if I were you, I'd just take my tractor. I'm like, uh, all right, cool. So we go get his big tractor out of the barn, and I fill the bucket full of cord, and there's a, he has a big field right there beside his house, probably 400 yards long, and I take off across that field of the tractor, and, and there's a deer come up out of the edge of the woods just standing there looking at me few more come up out of the woods. I come over this little knoll. There's a doe laying in the middle of the field. Kid you not, I drove from me to that window away from it with that tractor. And then it got up and started following me yeah. on the tractor. He's like, they're not afraid of the tractor, but they're afraid of my four-wheeler. I'd just take the tractor. So every time I ever went out there, he'd be like, he'd come out and he'd fire up that tractor and I'd the cord in it and go drive across the field. And uh, they didn't they didn't care at all. The uh, I've watched a few podcasts where some guys said the same thing. He's like, Ah, everybody's worried about scent control. He's like, you would sit there afraid of. He's like, douse yourself in diesel fuel. We'll bother him at all. <laughs> Our buddy Steve said that he was hunting out of that uh, gravity wagon. Yeah. Broke down. Yep. They left it in a field full of corn. And yep. he said he was sitting in the gravity wagon. The deer, they'd, dump, they'd open it up and dump that corn out and let them come up and eat. Yeah. He said he'd be standing right in the gravity wagon itself and they wouldn't even look up. And he said he'd be shooting you know, yeah. them yep. out of that gravity wagon. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, especially farmland that's been farmed forever. Like, if you're out there, farmers are out there yeah. getting covered in diesel fuel and grease and oil and whatever. Yeah, now farmers not worried about hunting. No, they're not worried about it. Yeah. The deer's not afraid of it. Yep. The, uh, and then you get us that. Didn't use any. We got, we got yeah. exotics yeah. and sand control and, and, and get up in the tree and get busted. You look at how many other hunters just walk out there and shoot one. Don't care, yeah. you know. That guy that killed one close to me the farm I'm on this year I mean first time in there they shot that big buck we had on camera some of it's luck the uh scent control I think is very important but at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you do it's it's the wind like it, yeah, you, you got play you, you play that wind then you know the uh, Chris Brackett was talking the other day well it's been a few weeks ago he's like man I haven't washed my hunt clothes in five years he's like I just don't go if the wind's bad that's it. You can't beat their nose. No, no. Well, did you think about it 30 years ago? No, I didn't. I mean, we was kids. We just went hunting. Yeah. And we killed deer. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you get away with it a little bit better with sick control, baby, but, uh, but the wind is, the wind's key. But you got to play that wind to even figure out which way they're going to come from that day. So that's right. That, that changes everything. So you don't bait. I do not. You bait. You bait. I yeah. bait. The uh, the the land I hunt is so small. If I didn't bait, I probably wouldn't see a deer. Right. right. I don't have flats of oaks and fields of corn and yeah. soybeans, so the uh, I got to kind of lure my deer in. Well, I think, I mean, everybody I know. I mean, ninety eight percent of everybody I saw to somebody's time figured out is, is feet. Yeah. And in my opinion, if you're hunting a corn pile or under an oak tree, a food is food. It's a food source. Food source. Food right. source. I don't see any difference in putting bait out there or, or going out there and hunting. 
let me see you go out there and catch a fish without using bait. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, it, like I said, it's nothing. If you're gonna hunt, yes. if you're gonna if you're gonna hunt deer where there's no food source, uh, anything but knee level and down is deer food. Uh, you about just have to be in the parking lot at the mall. Yeah, uh, yeah, on the concrete if you're gonna be somewhere where there's no deer food. Yeah, the. Uh, I mean, it's just like the Midwest, all those bean fields and cut corn fields. I'd be tickled death to go set on a bean field, yeah, big corn field. I just don't have the option. Yeah, the, it's different around here. Like the, the the place I killed my deer at this year, it's farmland, and there's some farmland around it. But if you if you really figure up the percentage of corn fields or bean fields versus hardwoods, I mean, it's a small percentage of you know two percent of the land is ag versus all the hardwoods around it i would say it's it's not like illinois where you go out there and you got these little draws and thousands of acres of just open open ag fields and you're hunting these little fingers and all those deer are going to travel that here you're hunting thousands of acres of hardwoods and everybody hunts it and everybody's putting out corn piles or or whatever they think works better than something else i'm fortunate in the fact that you know, where I hunt, uh, I have 108 acres, and it's bottomland out there, and there is corn being grown on every side of me, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's food sources, but it's just natural food sources. Right. You know, stands of uh, oats. It's hay field. you got a hay, hay field down there. Yeah. The deer action without any yeah. bait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like he's... Plus, there's so many deer, right? So many deer, and that hay field... Uh, that's on my property. It's three quarters of a mile long. Right, enormous. So yeah. most likely, if you was to dump corn, they'd eat it all faster than you could feed them anyway. Well, yeah, and then dump a truckload there. The yeah, that's definitely the difference uh, in West Virginia and Ohio. Like I can dump out, I dumped out a thousand pound of my field out here uh, you know, a month and a half or so ago, and it made it two weeks, and it was gone. You know, I, if I dumped out a thousand pound of corn on my Ohio property, it'd mold. It just, they just don't, there's some areas are different too. Yeah. Sure. Where you're feeding. Yeah. Where you're right feeding that right now, truckload a week. Yeah. They could, it, it's also a different time of year. Yeah. The, you know, it, it's, it's cold. You couldn't and, even, couldn't even get them to eat the corn back in November. When the acorns were on the mast. Oh, yeah. Last year. Just, yeah. It molded. Is, is there corn fields around there? Where I'm hunting right now, there's no cornfield, but yeah, you know, where, I, where I've always hunted, yes, yes, cornfields, plenty of corn right there, suey beans, yeah, that that far by hut there, it's a couple hundred acres of corn, and uh, they don't ever hardly eat my corn piles like early season. It, they usually never really start burning up a corn pile till like January. Yeah, that seems like where you killed your deer was solid acorns, wasn't it? Solid acorns. It was a big acorn flat. It's, it is, it's, it's the first flat up a pretty large hill and it is nothing but, you know, hardwoods, oaks, uh, it's a pretty good stand, you know, of, of trees right there. So, and then what, 80 yards down the hills, that field, it's a 40 acre field and it's the just creek and the creek water. It's just, it's pretty ideal location. So for my, for me, you know, using corn piles it, it not it's not necessary now would it be beneficial like during bow season where you have a more uh you know more you know they're more predictable 
probably, you know. Probably early season before the acorns start dropping. It seems like once the acorns fall on a big yeah. mass here, corn piles are yeah. done. You're, oh, yeah. They won't even eat that. It showed this year. I mean, it's what your tracking was down right off the. Yeah, that was slow in the beginning. Last year, it was crazy. So. No acorn target yep. last year. And one thing I noticed that me and you talked about is uh, a particular oak tree will put out acorns that are preferable. And they, they ripen. They won't. They, they won't be bothering these at all. But they'll. It's it's the timing of it. Yeah. Timing. The uh, so there's a big oak tree in my front yard right here, and uh, it when it's it, a pin oak, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. And whatever that thing dumps a bunch of acorns, it's it's crazy. I mean, you can look out there any time in, in the night, and there's ten of them underneath that oh, tree. Yeah. I got a huge pin oak in my yard, and they just they just hammer. And there was uh there was a oak tree on this piece of property I was at this year. And I'd walked by it and put a camera on it, and there was just thousands of acorns on the ground. And uh, for whatever reason, the deer just, they didn't, they didn't touch it. Yeah, probably, probably now, yeah. That was also on the edge of a, a cornfield, too, so maybe that had a play in it, but I don't know. It would be interesting. I know that there's some people, like these tree guys, I've listened to some of them that they, they have, like, their theories and try to, like, bake these certain trees that you plant or whatever that the deer prefer the acorns and such from but i'm not sure there's like 30 persimmon trees on that same flat where those hardwoods are and uh you'd think that'd be good but you go out there today and every one of those persimmons is still on those limbs it just doesn't look like they fell this just ever didn't fall well it has a lot to do with the frost yeah 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 so they just they died on the vine and shriveled up right up there on the branch they never did come down and I, I do believe it's because we had a warmer season. We didn't yeah. get that early, uh, real thick frost. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely hunt food sources. I just don't provide it to them. Yeah, I'm more of a welfare hunter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely gets expensive. Uh, yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, yeah, your dedication. The, you're spending a lot of time taking food out, worried about having it there for the weekend, and. You're missing out on a day or two of hunting. Oh, yeah. You got to go get the corn. You miss that day. And then you got to take it out of there. You miss another day. So, yeah. I've already seen several days that I missed when that deer was already there. I mean, it should have been there. Now that we've fed them all year, I feel like I want to keep feeding them. Yeah. Because now's the hard time. Now's the hard time. Yeah. 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 Because I want to get them through the hard time. I I, I called you last weekend and uh, just asked what you were doing. You're like, I'm, I'm feeding. I was like, well, I was going to come out and see you. And you're like, well, I'll let you know when I'm done feeding. I'm like, you already tagged out. <laughs> <laughs> Next so, year. Yeah. That just shows you, you know, how dedicated we like keeping up with. Which takes me back to the fact that a lot of the anti-hunters and stuff don't understand how much we actually care about the deer. You know, like, and I know, I mean, you have had this conversation before, deer that we've had two, three years of history with, and then you do finally kill it. It's like you're sad. You're super pumped up to kill it, but then you're like, oh, man. It's a, like it's over. Yeah. First time I check that trail camera. Yep. And I know he's not going to be on there. It's yep. almost disappointing. Yeah. Yep. The uh, this deer, I had more trail camera pictures of that deer for three years span than I have any other deer, and uh, I wanted that deer so bad. And then, it, and then it's over. Yeah. It's it's. I'm glad I get to look at him every day. You know. But uh, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think people like that understand that. People like us as hunters can can care for something and still hunt it. You know what I mean? But uh, but we, uh, we definitely can for sure. 
you know, for sure. I mean, I've only killed two, two or three deer in the last five years. You know? Right. But I fed them plenty of corn. I could have bought several beef. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot to think about. I know I haven't put out as much cord this year as the last, you know, previous years, but I probably still bought five ton of shelled cord this year. That's a bunch. Yeah. Best thing is don't keep track. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell you. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So. My wife likes it. She loves yeah. to hunt. She yeah. wants corn there when she goes. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. Like, I hunted for two weeks straight to kill my deer this year. And before that, it was just like hunt here, hunt there, whatever. Sure. But I was on one of the pieces of property from April till now, still feeding or checking cameras. Dozens of times, you know, we uh, all year long took tractors out, put food plots in, and hang tree stands, and cameras, and carry cord day after day after day after day after day to hook twelve days. Well, leaving that camera out all year, it's interesting because you know, watch rain comes and how much horn is already out there, you know, coming out of their head. Turkey season yep. comes, and what is pretty neat there with, and you recognize them right off the bat. I mean, pretty much, yeah, without the antlers, yeah, you know, like you know. And, and that's one of the reasons I like my corn pile is I, I want inventory. To yeah, it's the inventory side. I don't want to accidentally shoot a younger deer that could have been potential bigger deer. Uh, I like knowing what deer it is, picking a deer, going for that deer, and shooting him on the X if I can. Yeah, that's 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 been our goal for I don't know the last ten years. I like the controlled shot. I try to shoot twenty two yards. Yep. At twenty two yards, I usually use my crossbow. Uh, at 22 yards, it's usually quick. It's fatal. This year, the deer ran 18 yards and was done. Um, I like that controlled. It's uh, more of a controlled hunt. The uh, you don't feed corn, so but you still run trail cameras. You run cell cameras. I uh, yeah, I have two cell cams and then two just regular older cameras. So how many pictures a night do you, do you, are you getting on your cell cameras? It, it's it's a probably a, a pretty good blend. It's it's probably 60, 40, 60 daylight, 40 at night. Yeah. Uh, but what I get on night is, you know, the night ones are usually the larger deal. Right. Uh, oh, I was just, as we were talking about inventory, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you got 108 acres, you're not feeding the corn pile. I mean, what, what bucks are there that you have never got pictures of? Oh, well, you don't know, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you gonna put any mineral licks out? I, I do have a mineral lick out. Uh, I like one of those apple infused uh, deals. I I have one of them. Uh, but to your point, I had that camera out since uh, August, and it went through the whole time, all hunting season, and then January. I sent you that video of yeah. the deer that I had never seen. Never before. seen dandy, yeah. and it's a monster. Yeah, the uh, well, the plus side is you don't have to change batteries all the time. Uh, that that's my problem. Is I was running twelve cell, stealth cell cameras this year, and having to change batteries in them every five days. I bought the, the stealth solar battery pack. I don't change batteries. Yeah, and uh, I one uh, in October or yeah October and November they took eighteen hundred pictures a piece, and I never. 
it never went below three bars, even in the overcast days. I tried one of those uh, solar batteries with the lithiums or whatever, but I don't know. The ones I bought, maybe they just, there was something wrong with them because they didn't work at all for me, really. Well, me and Walter decided, you know, I tried the Tacticam, the little cell battery that, and it's worked great. I mean, I bought rechargeable. It's worked good. I, I take two home and go back out. And yeah, how long eat. does it last? Oh, I'm getting every bit of six weeks or better, and it, and it takes quite a few pictures. It's but, just, but not it's on a corn pile. Yeah. Yeah, it's on, it's on, really? on a corn pile. I'm getting at least six weeks out of it. It's the regular Tacticam pack. Yeah. yeah. I think out of the price, as far as buying batteries, I mean, yeah, it's worth spending the $50. Well, yeah, because, I mean, every time you change batteries, it's... And hopefully they'll hold it up through next year, you know, and that that's money in your pocket. For yeah. Sure. I have a small external 12 volt battery on my Tacticams in a ammo in box. In an ammo box, which, yeah, we talked about probably that. get two months yeah, cause out of mine. You bought the, the, the power cords yep. with the ids on it and wired it up, right? Yep, about every eight weeks. Now my Brownings, we bought the Browning Defenders. Yep. I've had one running for over a month now on my Coyote traps, and it's still 100% battery. So I've got a stealth camera out that has been out since before I killed my deer this year, but it's not on cord. It's just on, it was on a little ridge. It was full of scrapes, and for whatever reason, every buck on this farm always walked through there, and I'm still getting pictures of, of all the bucks that, I did, you know, were there. Um, and it's been on red, like, battery's been dead for, like, take a for, for like a month and it still sending me pictures yeah yeah that's what you said about that game is they go to red you know and it still sends still pictures send pictures but yeah my black gates i put my black gates on my corn piles and i only put changed batteries one time yeah the uh well, those little muddies we buy them little combo packs of four packs i mean they do good i mean i can get two three months out of them sometimes and think it's cold weather hurts them but slows it down springtime those are easy ones just to go dump off wherever what was the uh i hate even thought that the fact that i can't remember this guy's name uh i'm drawing a blank we were talking about the other day as is uh you wanted to go take his master class don higgins don higgins yeah i i watched i've literally watched all of his podcasts that could remember his name but he just put out a video the other day they're making the they're making his their own cell cameras now nice yeah He's, uh, he was talking about, it. he's like, ah, for years I've been thinking about trying to develop the perfect one that has the, you know, battery life and everything. And so I don't know, be interesting to see what, yeah, I'll try that for sure. The, uh, be interesting. Uh, you guys know who Don Higgins is? I do not. No. The, if you want to learn something about some whitetail, just watch his YouTube. Property management. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That and just some of his tricks. Uh, I think he's killed five or six two hundreds yeah and uh like he rarely hunts more than just a few days a year like he i mean he does all the work all year long but like he'll like one of his videos he's like ah, i don't like to go out there and sit i just like to go out there and know i'm gonna shoot it and he usually knows he usually does yeah yeah the uh he had some of his family coming this year they were hunting a couple of deer and he's like oh well hopefully Hopefully we'll shoot this deer or this deer. They killed both of them. Yeah. The, uh, he uses those rope scrapes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. I seen where they said, now's the time to get your rope scrapes ready. So yeah, he said, he said, 
about time for like shed hooked or whatever is when he like starts making his ropes and, and getting them out getting them out and hanging them so the so the scent everything goes away in time to to use them but i tracked deer for several people that had the rope scrapes out this year it's a but anywhere from three quarter to inch and a half inch and a quarter size rope hanging it and he, he takes that rope and it goes up a little ways and ties it off. That way it can like shred it and raise the bottom of it. Uh, well, that's, I have one there on my uncle's, you know, it's been there three years now. The deal. Yeah, and that's great. Love them. Yeah, they like it. I mean, I stuck it where they scraped, but right. they hit it. You know, so. Yeah. Many of my trails, uh, when I'm, I've cut a few of my trails, it'll be a grapevine. Yeah. You know, I'll cut that grapevine off and it'll be hanging just about my, just about eye level. Then over and over, the yeah. grape right at that grapevine. So, I mean, what's your guys' thoughts on, uh, like, like the Tinks 99 or, or whatever deer you're in scent that you can buy? Like, you think that stuff works or not? Timing. Yeah. Oh, that first time when I was that kid, me and Walter built that old wooden tree stand, and I stuck that Tinks out, and I watched this buck walk across this ridge, and he come right to it and stuck his nose right in that Tinks. Well, really? my uncle... Mitchell, you know, he said, oh, you got aim low, so I aim low, and boy, that deer had a set of springs in him. He jumped so high about that. <laughs> Bold that. Darting 20MX and 12 years old. That got me hooked. I mean, yeah. thanks to the uncle and all them guys, you know, always kids. Yeah, I mean, been, it's shoot, man, water shoot. How long? I heard that Mitch was the lab coat guy yeah. when it the boat. Oh, yeah. They they knew it all, you know. So. Yeah. But maybe that's where you got it from. Yeah, we... Your dad didn't shoot. He, you know, he said, "Hey, I'll I'll go bow hunting," but it was a shotgun. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the, I can't hit him. So. I, I think there's things that lure deer, and then I think there's things that lure hunters. That's true. Well, sure. Yeah. So I mean, Dodd was talking about it. He's like, "Man, I think I think all these deer yards are the biggest biggest game there is in the hunting industry." He's like, you know, deer pee in the woods everywhere. So. The amount of of urine yeah. that we use. We buy a little tiny bottle, a couple ounces, and a deer pees what, 8, 10, 12, 15 ounces. Right, 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 right. Well, yeah. I can remember talking about the deer I missed. Well, I just peed out my tree, right down. Well, that's definitely. That deer come right to my tree and was licking on the branch, and I thought, well, I got to wait, and he walked about 10 yards, I missed. So I'm yeah. like, holy sh. Yeah, the, uh, that, that's, that's definitely a, a myth. They, you know, say you can't pee in the woods or whatever. That's urine is just, yeah. it's just urine. All urine turns to ammonia yeah. about 20, 25 minutes, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, made a scrape, you know, and I had 11 boxes. How many come times? Out. How many times we videotaped it that day? Got you know, feed in, videoed it, and, and how 11 bucks that day it walked right to that scrape. Yeah. So, yeah. The, who knows? The humid urine definitely doesn't have any kind of effect on it for at all. Good effect. Yeah, good effect. Not a negative effect. I mean, so I, uh, I was tracking a deer for a guy, and he had been had his corn pile up, and he hadn't had any pictures. It was November; it was like the sixth day of November, and he I was he had shot a big one, but he had had his corn pile running, hadn't had no bucks on camera, and about eight yards away there was a primary scrape, so he freshened that scrape up and put a camera on it. Now I think he made the scrape; it was a mock scrape, mock scrape, and he put a camera on it. And none of the bucks had showed up on the corn pile, but he had like 15 bucks in two days on that mock scrape. And I asked him what he put in there for urine, and he said it didn't matter, any kind of synthetic stuff. So I think a lot of times it was uh, timing. Timing. When you dump it out, I think, you know, when they're rut crazed, 
they may be a little easier fooled by the scent. Well, yes. Yeah. So I think uh, I think as they get to that part where they're full bore rut, they're stupid, crazy, whatever. It's a little bit different. You could you could also the curiosity you can fold a little bit. You know that earlier time it's it's a little bit harder to fold. But I, I have, a little harder to call it in. It's hard. You know the, I have put the urine out and I feel like it spooked them off. Yeah. So I yeah. you know it's uh, I've had both both effects. But now I've peed out my tree stand many times and never had any mm. any ill effect from it. Now I will say the morning that I killed my deer this year, I was watching the cameras throughout the night and that camera. So I had three cameras in the same hollow. And all of them were busy all night long. And when I crawled up in that tree that morning, I was like, all right, there must have been a hot doe or something in here last night. You know, put sit this whole hollow. And right off the bat, there was bucks, not with a doe, just literally nose of the ground, running zigzag, chasing everywhere. And uh, it was, I'm sure there was a hot doe in there that night. And just sit filled that whole area. And then the deer I shot literally come running up behind me no doe with him just looking looking it, it was like josh's yeah. I, yeah last year was i seen it on camera and i thought well shoot there's it was 80 degrees when i shot i walked in with a pair of shorts and yeah tennis shoes so yeah like shoot it's too hot yeah. and the hill i climbed was miserable anyway yeah, so straight up it, it was a hard one to go in after but yeah. so year before last a buddy of mine he shot a, a big deer 157 inch deer and he he it had a long walk in so at the bottom of the hill he took all of his clothes off hunt to clothes everything put it in his backpack and he walked all the way up through the field it like barefoot and in his boxers and when he got to the top he put all his hunting clothes back on and climbed up in his tree <laughs> it was like 80 degrees yeah. out and he, that deer walked in and he shot it i don't know if it yeah. made a difference or not but that's why jared told me you you better get in there last year you know i said yeah. man it's 80 but he's coming there and it was early season, wasn't it? It was November sixth. Oh, it was a rut. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was the, during the rut. Those magical days in November, you just gotta go. Yeah. You just never know. And he came right in. Yeah. Well, I heard some does grunt. You know, does is making all the grunts. I'm like, that's that's strange, weird sound. I didn't even know it was does. I was like, man, that's a funny sounding deer. But once all them six does come out in that field, then. He come right behind him. Yeah. And that was early. It wasn't real late, was it? It was an hour and a half. Or, yeah, it was an hour and a half before dark. Before dark. And that deer didn't make it far, did he? No, it only ran maybe 70 yards, but fell in the deepest ditch you could ask for. And Buddy, we drug. And he said that, you know, Buddy's had a couple of them fall in this one little ditch. It's so steep and deep. And that's where he went. That's where it was. So it was. It was miserable trying to get out. So of all the the big mature deer that you guys have killed, you have better luck at the morning or the evenings. I've 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 thought about it myself, and every one of my big deer, except for that big West Virginia deer right there that I can think of, uh, in that Ohio buck right there, almost all of them have been within the first three hours of sitting in the morning. I've killed a few in the mornings. I prefer the evening. See, I think. When I think about all the deer that you've killed that have helped you track and drag out, you have been mostly the evening. Evenings. I like that. Evening hunt. 50-50. I've, yeah. I've shot them both sides of it. So yeah. I uh, I pretty much quit hunt boardings until the last few days of October. 
I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that would say. It's hard to get on your corn pile. If you're going to it's hard to find more of it. Yeah. yeah. If you set away from it, you probably got way better chance. Yeah. The, uh, that other deer above my kitchen table there, I shot that in West Virginia years ago, and that deer started showing up for like two weeks. He was there every evening. He would come above us every morning, but he was there every evening before dark. And some of my buddies were like, "Ah, oh, you got to go there and kill him in the morning on the first day. I was like, oh, I'll just wait till the evening to walk in. Like, well, why would you go in? I'm like, well, I'm not going to bump him out in the morning. A lot of times I won't even hunt mornings yeah. for that reason. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I went into the evening and shot him, but yeah, I I, the last few years, I just haven't really hunted mornings until about October 28th or so. Well, that funky buck I killed back here, Molly well, Dad, see that? That was first day. I was sitting there watching hunting shows. And I'm like, there, ain't, there ain't no way I'm going out. And they're like, oh, it's first day. Just like a kid went out there and, and I hadn't even tore off my tags off my scent lock and <laughs> screwed on broadheads. And it was eight o'clock. Climbed a tree. I hung my bow up and I shot that deer in the first five minutes. Yeah. Climbed that tree. Yep. I mean, what's meant to be? Oh, it's just can't mess it up. You know, yeah. I've, most of my big deer I've killed in the first five, ten minutes I climbed in the tree. A lot of, yeah. Yeah. Which, the, uh, they could probably, my first crossbow buck, you know, I was climbing climb the tree and it was right out there, you, standing there, tend the dough. Oh, I had to pull the bow up. I still, I still have my rope tied to it and it was sitting there watching me. Yeah. The, uh, he called me and yeah. said, I just climbed up the tree and shot him. Yeah. Pulled the bow right back down. I, uh, I shot wood at the old house, uh, was climbing up the tree, and I heard something. I looked up, and there was a doe in front of me. I'm halfway up the tree, and it's looking past me. It didn't even know I was climbing the tree. I snuck up the tree, and I heard something. A doe come running from behind me, and I turned around, and I could hear the grunting. I pulled up my bow as fast as I can, and uh, it was a died point. Coming. I shot it like five yards from the base of the tree, and... Uh, Shot it high. I was like, oh, no, screwed up. And I caught that artery right underneath the spine. And it stopped. And when it tumbled and fell, its back was touching the base of the tree I was in. <laughs> the uh, That Illinois deer I shot, I was talking to you. And uh, you're like, ah, this morning is the morning. Yep. I was and, out there. Yeah, you, yeah, because yeah, I, I bet you had yeah, B-dubs. It was, it, was, yeah. it was, it was, I hadn't been in the tree too long. It was, it was, uh. I remember looking over, that deer was walking across the field, and I was, like, trying to adjust my eyes. It was still, like, early morning, and I was like, yeah, it looks like a buck. It looks like a decent buck. It's just 100 yards closer. I'm like, looks a little bigger. 100 yards closer, looks a little bigger. I'm like, yep, I'm shooting that one. Yeah. <laughs> New video. Yeah, that was a video. The uh, I did, like, a whole 10-minute video of that. Uh, I looked at it the other day. It had... Uh, it had zooming off. Lubidoff, yeah. The, the uh, that deer come across that field like 400 yards, and it could have went any direction, and it literally walked it's just wider, perfect, right in front of me, 25 yards, and I, yeah, burped at it and stopped and shot it. It spun around and it flopped and died 30 yards from where I shot it. For us to go out there is totally different. I mean, it's it's amazing how wide open space is. Well, so I didn't even realize it. The uh, I thought it was a 10-point whenever it walked in, and uh, then I see it as it was sitting underneath. Uh, before it walked into woods, it was sitting there eating some beans. I was like, I think they got an extra tide on that one side. But uh, then I went back and looked at footage because I'd seen a big deer three days before that, and I looked back, it was actually the same deer. I didn't realize it was the same one until after I shot it. But uh, Did it run out in the beans and die? 
Well, it was a cut bead field, but yeah, it, it spun around, ran right back into that field, fell, got up, flopped, all goofy-legged and fell home. You could see it from your tree. Oh, yeah, I videoed, I videoed it, so I'm like, walking in, shooting it, and falling over. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. The, uh, yep, and then uh, I went out to Indiana the next year and shot that buck right at daylight first morning in gun season. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The uh, Which one did you do, the tribute video? That one, that one, that Illinois deer, yep, yep. The uh, But, yeah, the other day I looked at, uh, it was, uh, I posted that 2000. The end of 2017 or beginning of yeah, 2018. 2017, 18. Yeah. How the uh, Decatur. Yeah, I, I made that video and uh, I went to bed and it had like 5,000 views. And I was like, holy cow, I can't believe it's got that many views. I woke up and had 100,000 views. By the end of the that day, it had 150,000. And uh, the other day, it's still growing. It's almost 400,000. But we got 300 and some thousand in the first five days. Be cool to little town out there. We stayed out there and worked on that glass factory. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember how far. I don't even remember how far I drove to beat you guys, but it wasn't far at all. I mean, it's just the town. Yeah, I think it was like far. forty-five minutes away or something. Did like you tell me there was no deer? When well, any deer were they? Killed. But you guys were on the outskirts of Chicago, right? Uh, I was in Ottawa or not Ottawa, Illinois, mm-hmm. Ottawa. The, uh, right around Star Rock, but that's because they exactly. killed a bunch of them, yeah. right? They 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 that's did whatever right. that kill off was at CWD kill. So they they were like shooting them at night. They would they put out these huge bait piles and and people would just come in and shoot them with ARs in the middle of the night, whatever, just wipe it. That's why one of the operators was working at the dump. He said they're bringing dumpster loads of deer in at night, so trying to stop the spread of disease. Yes, allegedly, yeah. But we've seen a few, but in come from here, you just didn't know where to look right off. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, back to some deer, just luck. Like, like yeah. I was just hunting a hundred acres out there. And originally I was just, I went out to hunt public land. And this guy that we were staying with was like, oh, I got a farm out here. Just go hunt it. But it was a hundred, I think it was a hundred or 130 acres. But like 80% of it was ag field. And there was just a couple little patches that you could like hunt. There was no rhyme or reason for that deer to walk four or five hundred yards across a wide open field right to me, but it did. Which meant to be, you can't make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, got got lucky there, I guess. But if it ain't meant to be, you can't make it happen. Nope, nope. So <clears throat> you shot your biggest deer twice. Sure did. Wounded him with a crossbow and killed him six days later with a letter. Yep, the we uh we were there was a bunch of us filming that day and you called me, you're like, Hey, I'm gonna go kill that big buck tonight you liar need, need to send a cameraman with me to film it and uh i just did, didn't do it but should have but i remember when we skinned that deer we were at keith's house and uh we found your broadhead six inches there and in the broadhead in the spine because clean through the spine yep and uh the the broadhead was still in the opposite like, tenderloin yep yep didn't yeah. didn't hit the spine Right. This went right between the vertebrae. Right between the vertebrae. Yeah. That deer was, uh, my form pile was 32 yards, uh-huh. and I was using my 20-yard pin, my X-caliber crossbow, and uh, I I was aiming clear down, in, in, right in the pocket, right behind the front shoulder down low, and I should have been hitting low and hit the deer in the spine. Right. It ducked over probably 18 inches. Which takes us back to where we were talking about that 
30 to 35 yard with a crossbow's bad. It's the worst. And don't try to shoot the don't sh- try to shoot the heart gloves. Shoot the center of the body. Yeah. So we had tracked that deer to the bedding area at about 400 yards and lost blood. Yep. And we decided from the looks of the area, from the looks of the blood, it was going to be a survivor. Yep. And uh, I came back. See, that was on Saturday, maybe. And we tracked it on a Sunday. Baby, I actually. Uh, and I came back on Thursday because muzzleloader season started the following Friday. Yeah. So I put a corn pile up at 8 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. And uh, the following Friday, the next day, I went hunting down the road till noon. And seen a big buck, almost shot it, but I didn't think it was the same deer, but it wasn't limping. So I came back and checked my trail camera, and that was probably 2 o'clock. He was there at the middle of the day. At 1 o'clock, he was on my trail camera. I only seen half his horn. Yep. And the horn had only been on the ground for less than about 24 hours. But you're the bedding area and the water. I say you, I remember you saying this is the only place that, it's it's dry. This is the other place that there's water. This creek knew he was gonna come down there and drink. And I put my and you took your right there. You took your climber in. So when I went and checked that camera, I had my climber in the truck. Yep. And it was the first day of muzzleloader, so I checked the camera and seen him. And I went straight to the truck, got my climber, come straight back down. Four thirty, he walked straight in. Yep. Yep. The uh, shot him through the front shoulders. He ran straight underneath the main, went over and fell down thirty yards. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Come and help you drag it out of there. And uh, my biggest deer to date. Yep, 181 inches. What were the beams on that thing? Like 28 inches. Yeah, long one. It was 27 and 5 eighths, and 28 and an eighth. 21 and a half or something. It's a half inside spread. Yep. 12 and a half inch tines. Yep, big deer, big 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 deer. The uh, <clears throat> what was your biggest deer? Was it the one that? Track six miles. Right, the longest. I mean, yeah. longest track to date. But uh, did you kill? It's a one fifty, isn't it? Yeah, it's like one forty nine. One. The uh, what did you kill last year? Did you have a drop tie on? Yeah, it gets two little funny drop tines off each side of the beams and split G two. Yeah, cool deer. Cool looking deer. It was. And the one you killed last year is. Oh, it is. It was. What? 156 or what was it? 150s, you know, hills at 150s. Mid 150s yeah. at least. You didn't score it? Well, we just, we just rough throughout it. Scored. It's yeah. like 156, but it's got them brow times forever. Oh, uh, big brow times. Oh, they're dirty. The, uh, yeah, West rough. Virginia deer, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Have to send me a picture of it. We'll do. We'll do. You just got it back from the taxidermist. I did. Yeah, I, I got it in uh, November of 22, and I just got it back. Uh, Bill Mason mounted. Bill Mason mounted that for me. It's beautiful. Uh, it's the first one I've ever had Bill Mason do, and I'm sold. I'll do a commercial for him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he does that. He's Bill's amazing. Yeah, it ain't cheap, uh, but I'll tell you the quality is it's there. It just looks like you're looking at a deer in the forest. It's alive. Right. Pretty. I think I have 14 or 15 deer mounted by Bill Mason. Pretty wild. Uh, and I was just so you know, overwhelmed getting a deer that size. No, for me, you know, the first, you know, some people wouldn't consider that a trophy. I certainly did. And for the area, you know, West Virginia. He's okay. bigger than any buck I've ever shot. West it, Virginia. It's a big one. Uh, so I couldn't be happier with it. And the mount came out amazing. Uh, 
And Josh got to hear you shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got to be right beside you. Yeah, I got to ruin his day. Share it all together. I told him, I said, there's a pretty good chance of something come out of that honeysuckle, which the day before when we went up there and he showed me, we seen a buck. That yeah. It's a pretty nice buck. Nice one. You don't think it was the same one? It uh, no. No, it definitely wasn't the same But one. it was a good one. The first one we seen was wide, but not tall. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, still a quality buck, but not, not particularly tall tines. And this one has, what, nine-and-a-half-inch brow tines. Oh, boy. It's huge brow tines. Big brow tines. It seems like it was six degrees or something that morning. Oh, it was miserably cold. <laughs> yeah, it was super. I thought, why? I remember telling Josh, I said, why would you even go to West Virginia and hunt on a cold day like this and take off work? I said, you ain't going to get nothing but little deer. And then, bam, you're not even an hour later. He calls me. Chris shot the big one. It's like mid-150s. Yeah. Wow. You know, and, and, and today, now that I, I mean, that was the first year of owning the property. So now that I've had it, I could probably put him in a place where I'm just not going to shoot his deer. <laughs> I mean, I probably you know, I haven't figured it out. But well, it'll be hard to beat that deer in West Virginia. I I don't know. You know, that farm seems like we... It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I'll Stop about it down there. But when we get done with this podcast, I'll show you the, the deer I got on uh, January the 4th. So it... It's definitely got another one out there. Looks like a high deer. Oh, really? No. It's a- well, I can assure you that uh, it's not like that here, like right here where we're at. I've got uh, 50 acres here, been here uh, five, six seasons. and uh, West Virginia is getting better with that. They are killing bigger and bigger deer. Every- oh, yeah, there's definitely areas of it. I think the problem with this place is you can drive out any of these back roads, and there's all these little cabins and... Uh, Gun season. I mean, people just rolling through with foilers, and they just they just kill a bunch of them. It's it's not like it's not like your parents' house and like where I used to live. City bar. Yeah, corner. Oh yeah. Two window. Age classes. Oh, tricks. They got to get to be five years old. If they don't get to be five years old, you just don't know what you got. Well, I mean, the two buck limit over the next five year span, I help will help the. Let's think about. 1998, I shot that big one. The first one, the big wide nine. Yeah, the big wide nine at our Paris house. You know, that was big for there. That was that was huge. Yeah, the body was not. Oh, he long. It was <laughs> 265 pound deer, West Virginia deer. It was it was huge. It was giant. Yeah, feet. I remember seeing the feet were unreal. It looked like a steer. Every time I seen it out in the field, I'm like, yeah. That was before cameras, so right. it was just. And then well, the next big one we seen was Jared's. Yeah. When Jared, Jared killed a, a big 10 with muzzleloader, and he, he killed, wounded it with a muzzy, killed it with a thunderhead, wounded it, shot through the lungs, killed oh, yeah. it, shot through the liver. Yeah, his, the, a year later, it had eight inches of era and two of the fletchings encased in like, a, it almost looked like a green bean, about that long, a real hard case right by the lungs. Yeah, oh, actually inside the lung cavity. He shot it a year later, too, you know. Oh yeah, that was that was a year, year later, later, yeah. And that was the piece of the era and the two fletchings from the previous year. That's crazy. And that uh, deer, it didn't lose. It didn't hurt that deer. It made it bigger. I mean, that deer actually ever acted moved. like it was didn't it didn't have any ill effect. But that's like another one of those this magical areas. This is always produced big deer. Like it does. Every year that I could remember running trail cameras there, there was a 140-plus on camera. Oh, yeah. That was a mainframe eight-point, wasn't it? Yeah. With kickers and stickers. and Yeah, that was. What its gore? 
I think it was 168. Uh, that's what I was thinking, mid-160s. It was a big giant. And for us back then, really big. Yeah, it was really big. That was one of the first big ones. The uh, it, It's kind of weird, though. I mean, maybe it's because it's close enough to the city and some of those deer, like, yeah. we've known those deer to travel miles and be in some of those housing developments than back where, where we used to live at Hunt. But, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no really ag anywhere around there for them to... Eat, there's, river. A, there's not cornfields, the river, anywhere along the river, yeah, for whatever reason. I'm not anywhere near the river. You hit on the road right here, big jeans. Well, I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but I still got pictures of it. The uh, there was that mainframe eight that got hit there, and I was coming through, and it had it was it had 16 points on it. It was a mainframe yeah. eight that had split brows and kickers and stuff all over the place. And uh, I never had pictures of that deer, but no, say that. Uh, 96 that one got hit in dad's driveway yeah it had 21 points in june so yeah and it was just sticking out of its head it was crazy yeah yeah low pressure i think has a lot to do with it there there's not a there's not a lot of hunting that actually happens in that area and those those deer get to go to places that are perfectly safe sure and eat bird feed all day absolutely become five six years old yeah yeah that that low pressure is a big thing the the no pressure but being able to get to that five plus years of age is that's everything for it yeah when they develop a brisket you know you, yeah you know now you, you got us up in there yeah the uh that that deer i killed uh at the old house uh i remember being lee i mean that was 26 years old 25 years old something like that and uh 27 me and him could not pick it up and put it in the back of the side by side. We we fought it for like twenty minutes and finally I pulled its head and shoulders up as high as I could and ratchet strapped it to the top of the roll cage in the side by side so I wouldn't Damn. so I wouldn't mess the the cape up and we'd drug it four hundred yards back to the house. You remember Carolyn's first eight point? Yeah. We tracked it down with Sunday. Oh my gosh, we could yeah, couldn't drag it out there. We would drag it Couldn't lift it. Little could, bit at the could not load it on Couldn't get on the four wheeler. Yeah, that's right, because uh drag it up that hill. Yep. So then we thought it would be easier to get the four-wheeler down this big hill, and we knew it was too steep to ride the four-wheeler out, yep. but we planned on walking, walking the four-wheeler out with the deer on it. So we went and got the four-wheeler and backed it down that steep hill to that tree, and then we couldn't load the deer on the front. Yeah, we couldn't get the deer picked up. Just... We tried and tried. <laughs> and almost having again the, the next time she kills. Yeah, and then we finally got the deer on there and pushed it up there. Yep. The... Uh... Yeah, the one the yeah, like two years ago, first day she killed that big eight point and no, it was you yeah. brought the four wheeler in, we drove it down there and we just couldn't get it loaded. Yeah. The uh well that, that deer that I shot this year, I I didn't have anybody to come help me. <laughs> I drug that thing out you by myself. Out before I got there. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I don't know what you were doing, but I was tracking. I said I'm on my way. I said I'm not waiting. The, yeah, uh, had it done before I got there. But uh, I, I got GoPro footage of that. I literally drag it like 10, 20 feet and stop. That's right. 10, 20 yeah, feet. Two stop. deer I've killed, I drag out by myself. The, uh, the hardest drag I can think of in my mind was uh, the Cookie Monster buck. Yeah, it was tough. We'd make it 20 yards after trade. Not only was the terrain just terrible, super late. so burly. Couldn't get a hold of it, but that, that deer was... Field dress two ten. Yeah, yeah. They were dragging it out was was miserable. The uh, the last buck I killed was the drop time buck, and actually Matt Bertram and his brother came down and got it out. Yeah, but I didn't have to drag it at all. Yeah, yeah. I got lucky. Yep. The uh, 
you shot that in the same spot that you shot the one two, year, two years before that. Two I, years ago. I came and With got three fifty lead. I came and got the guy. I'd never been. I'd there. never been there. And I, I pull up and the guy walks out. And he's like, "Uh, you want my four wheeler and trailer?" And he grabs his four wheeler and puts the trailer on the back of it. And I go driving down this trail. No idea where I hear the four are coming. And I'm thinking, who's coming on the four wheeler? I look up and it's Justin. And I'm thinking, <laughs> where'd you get a four wheeler? You ain't even never been here. <laughs> Yeah, we went down there, threw it in the trailer. Talked to the neighbor and borrowed the neighbor <laughs> forward. <laughs> yep. Thank goodness. It was a long drag. Yep. Oh, I think a, a side-by-side with a little truck bed in it is the best invention ever. It is. Oh, uh, it's just, it's a game changer. It's uh, it's great. I, uh, Especially since we're 50. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speak for yourselves. I'm, I'm not anywhere near 50. You will be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. It feels like it. The, uh. <clears throat> one last thing that I know we were we wanted to touch on and, and we haven't yet was, you know, we talk about how far we've tracked some of these deer and Chris mentioned he's like, well, if you were going to do that today, we would just cut it off and say it's a live deer. I know there's particular signs, but you know, explain it, what you would determine to be chasing the deer versus tracking a deer. At what point are we? Hunting deer with a dog instead of tracking it. Instead, deer with instead a dog. of tracking it. Yeah. I, I think once you realize you get over that certain distance and the the type of blood, the amount of side that you're not seeing. Absolutely. The uh D- depends you, you on what you're seeing. Uh, yeah. so for one, when we if you was hunting deer with dogs, you'd be turning a dog loose on a deer that's not wounded already. Right. Uh when you go hunting rabbits with dogs, the rabbits ain't wounded, they're just out there waiting. And those dogs are not scent specific. Those dogs are going for fresh rabbit scent, not necessarily one a particular rabbit. rabbit. Yeah, but with any rabbit they can run, they're going to get on it and they're going to chase it. Same way with a coon dog or a bear dog. So I had a guy call me to track a bear once, and I called my buddy. I said, "Hey, you got bear dogs? Do you want to go track this bear?" He said his dogs wouldn't do it because most likely they wouldn't do it because. They're not trained to track the wounded scent. They're right. trained to track the freshest bear scent. So if it ran across another bear or the closest bear or whatever, it's probably going after that versus the wounded bear. So if I release my dog, I'm not, I don't release my dog. I do it on track or on, on a leash in Ohio. We have to by law. But states that you do. Some states they do release. release but if they was to release a dog on a wounded deer, well, you're not hunting deer with a dog. You're trying to recover the wounded deer. So first, I want to do best by the deer. Right. You know, if we wound it, we owe it to the deer to do all, every uh, every chance, all of our due diligence to get it back. And second, I want to do best by my dog, meaning I don't want to chase a deer that I know for a fact is going to be alive, that's probably going to show back up on camera in a few weeks. I don't want to spend hours chasing that deer. If I put my dog on a dead deer, a fatal deer, it's normally 15 minutes 20 yeah. minutes we right. got the deer and the dog is normally not pulling and digging and lunging if i jump a deer and it's alive that that dog's pulling hard I mean, right he's wanting to get that deer he knows it's alive and yeah. he knows we're falling behind so he's pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling so in the beginning i would track deer for forever yeah. six hours and lucky until he just couldn't yeah, go we, anymore. We didn't know any better. One guy caught, I was tracking a deer for, I tracked it probably two miles, and it was alive. And we had everybody else that was local there, not on the track in a vehicle. They get ahead of us and they'd say, hey, the deer just came through. You're on, you know, we're, you're following it. 
we didn't have a gun and they didn't have a gun. So we wasn't hunting it, but we didn't know when to quit. Yeah. We was tracking it. My dog was still tracking that same wounded deer. So if I take my dog out and put him in the woods where there's not a wounded deer, we ain't going to track nothing. They're going to track nothing. He's going to run around and pee on bushes and play, and he don't know what to go after. Right. So there's no, with my dog, there's no such thing as being able to hunt deer with a dog. Right. There has to be a wounded, a wounded deer, deer, or you're not going to get very far. He'll tell you real quick. So when the dog loses interest, and, you, Buck will tell you. and, and you're confident that the deer's not going to die, then that's when you say, all right. Oh, we seen it this year when she shot that deer with the seven millimeter. That was a pile of blood. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, never. When you go to a certain distance, if you make it, you know, if you feel like the deer is hit in front of the diaphragm, you're seeing lung blood, you're seeing that pink collar to it. If you make it over 300 yards, especially 400 yards, chances are that deer is not dead yeah. from that wound. Well, at least not at the time that I'm going to be there. I know I've called off some tracks once we jump a deer and you see it like it'll jump up and you can just tell you can see where it was hit high shoulder or broke one way no there's no corn in the blood right there's no gut matter in the blood yeah um and when it takes off you know it's it's fine or when you start finding blood and scrapes <laughs> yeah when you find the blood and the scrapes then you have to tell yourself what did you hit that's killing yeah the deer? there's nothing kill what's going to kill this deer later uh, if it's not gut shot, liver shot, behind the diaphragms, in the stomach, most likely it's not going to die of infection. Now, they do die of infection if they're shot in the front shoulder and the broadhead breaks off in that front shoulder. But it may be weeks or months. Usually like six weeks yeah, later. Yeah, they'll fester up and, like, I've seen them, like, be shot in the shoulder. Do you get trail camera pictures of them? They, like, lose that hair on that shoulder. And it starts, like, getting pussy. Yeah. So that infection kills them, but it may not be for a long time. Now, that broadhead can stay in the neck, the backbone, the hindquarter, the body cavity right along the lungs and uh, not kill them, but something about that front shoulder. Yeah. So you got to put together, you got to look at the blood, what's in the blood, uh, what organs did you hit, and then the distance. Uh, if you make it over 600 yards, no beds, you're still finding blood, you're not seeing the fa failing deer, there's no sign of a failing deer. Uh, chances are you're going to start pushing it. Yeah. And if that's the point where you probably ought to call your track. Right. It's, you're not going to, you're probably not going to catch the deer. Yeah. You're not going to find him dead. Now, I do find some dead a long ways, but um, everybody tells you they didn't grid search, they didn't go look, they didn't lost it. But when you find a deer dead a thousand yards away, you know. Somebody's probably been in there pushing it. Probably something is pushed. Yeah, because that deer, I mean, they all of us, all of them will lay down within that before that 600 yard mark yeah and other of us all found dead within that 600 yard mark it's when you get past that's when you start questioning has it been bumped or is it just not fatally hit now most of the ones that ain't fatal um there may be a lot of blood but it usually dries up especially around two three hundred yards yeah and if you make it to 600 yards there just ain't much blood it's almost there Two or three times last year, I tracked a deer almost three miles and found them dead. Yeah. But those deer were leaving so much blood that we just didn't want to quit on such a good yeah. blood. Right. You know, and they Yeah, if it's it. still there, why quit? Yeah, yeah, and during the rut, we don't know what pushed them that far. Somebody's dog, well, uh, I mean, coyote, if, other bucks. If you're seeing the deer and you can tell he's hit, you know, hard, uh, and you can continue to get permission to keep going, and it's still bleeding good. Then, it's hard you know, to stop. It, 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 it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop. But uh, So a lot of deer 
are finished shortly after I get there. We find them alive and we finish them. And a lot of buck tags get filled that would have never got filled had right. that dog been there. So a lot of these guys would have went and shot another buck. So now you got a buck that dead laying out there that nobody got to claim, and then somebody and then he goes Here's and kills another, another deer. So now you got two bucks dead, one of them wasted with one hunter in a state that you know you're like kill one, kill one buck. So we're saving, we're 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 filling buck tags. Yeah, it, it's a it's a herd improvement. <laughs> so you know, in the beginning, I didn't know when to. As long as I see him blood, we're gonna go. You yeah. know, and I didn't know how to explain to the hunter that my dog is telling me the deer is going to be alive or that your deer is going to show up in a few weeks back on trail camera. Right. I had to cover enough ground so that they knew there was nothing there. They was convinced, yeah, their deer is not lying. It's not recovered. Well, I think the difference between then and, and now is half of the tracks that you get calls about that are deer that are still going to be alive, you don't even get track of. Over half of them I can interview. You, 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 in the interview, you could say, ah, you've been too far. You've been 800 yards and, you know. No guts on the arrow, no corn in the blood. The chances are. Red blood, smooth, clean red still, blood. Yep. Yep, so. There's no more six miles and six-hour tracks for, for, for us. If it wouldn't have been friends, it wouldn't have happened. Right, yeah. 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 And, uh, and I would think too many people would want to go on that walk. That we went. No way. Do the brush Half of them didn't go on the walk. They just waited till we called them and they'd meet us. Meet us here. Get us back across that creek. And well, there's not a whole lot of scenarios where you could track that far. Anyway, because you're not gonna be able. To, you're not gonna know somebody yeah. like you know that knew everybody that they were yeah, gonna let you go. Yeah, kept letting us go. And today we would know that deer would would be back on camera. Well, and it would have lived. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it worked out the scenario where you were able to push it far enough to catch up to it and wear it out. And, and able to get in there and, and finish it off. But if you wouldn't have, then the deer would have been back. Or you know, it, somebody else might have killed it, but it it wasn't dying from that yeah, initial shot. Clean, it was a clean pass through. Yeah. It was going to live that day. Yeah. So with the experience you've developed over the years, you, I mean, you've come to know that it's not just distance, it's not just blood, it's not just this, it's the culmination of all that. It's and a, what's it's my dog's challenge. And the dogs, yes. It's it's everything that you, you know, it's all those factors, but not any one of those factors. No. Right. The, uh, you know, it's not, we would have found the deer, but we we want to give you a peace of mind if, if you know, it's a bad shot and you still want us to come look. And we do charge for it, but it's not just about the money because, I mean, Walter and I, both Walter a lot more than me, have literally told people, there's no point in us coming to look for it. Like, either way, we don't want you to pay good money for something. I feel like I'm not going to do any better than you've already done. Either A, we say, no, we're not going to find it. There ain't no point in us coming. Like, you've done it as much as we're going to do in this scenario with what you've told us. Or B, the deer's dead. You just didn't go far enough. Go another couple hundred yards. You're probably going to find it. That happens a lot. Happens a lot. They call back and say, yep, you know, there it was. You were right. And, you know, we're not going to take your money that way either. So if I feel like you can find it, I'll, I'll tell them, you know, don't go grid searching, but go the next couple hundred yards, a straight line, the way the deer was gone. You know, most of those are gut shot, liver shot deer, and they've already been three, 400 yards. Well, I know a gut shot, liver shot deer is normally dead within 600. I mean, just over and over and over 588, 
596, 574, 560, over and over and over, 600 yards or less. So if they've been three, 400 yards, guts and liver on the air, a couple beds, I'll usually tell them, go the next couple hundred yards. You probably find it. And well, they normally do. A lot of people call of those shots because they, everybody instantly thinks a shot of the guts. I made a, yeah. I made a terrible shot. And then they, if they don't find the deer within a couple hundred yards, they start getting nervous and then they start calling a tracker. But if they, if you know you shot it in the guts and they say, yeah, there's cord in the blood and there's gut matter on Just the arrow. Back. And I, I went 200 yards and I didn't find it. I, I, I know I screwed up. That's when you say, you just didn't go far enough. You know, as long as you've got enough time, still have that deer's going to be there. What you percentage don't. of the people are still pretty persistent? I, I I understand that, but you come on out. I mean, do you get that? Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of time. A lot of time. A lot of them say they understand. They know they just would feel better if the dog walked through the area. And if the dog doesn't find it, then they're, then they're, they're happy. I mean, but Walter has people call him that know that they made a good shot and but they won't even go look for the deer they just right. every year have the dog every year you know what i'll just pay the money that way if it if they want it wasn't an dog. issue you know we'll give it 10 hours and we'll go in with the dog and we got the best chance that we're ever going to get to find the deer the deer's not going to get any more dead no matter how long you wait like so you might as well take the dog well, that's my curiosity because a lot of the stuff we talked about, you pay tons of money for corn, you spend tons of time in the woods, tons of money on game cameras, you buy a Matthews and you have to get a load on your house for. Uh, what those percentage of people, for, and even for me, you know, let's just get the dog. Let's get this over with. It, it, it's the, it is the people that um, are the most serious about it. Sure. That, that call for that kind of scenario. All right. Yeah, especially... People that shoot, you know, 170, 180, 190 inch deer, and they're like, we're better off just. Well, if there's, if there's any chance that you may call a dog out, you might as well call the dog out. Call the dog first. Don't do anything to decrease your chances of finding it with the dog. You and 10 buddies going out there are, are not going to help the scenario if you do. You want dog. every best opportunity you can get. You want to give that dog every best opportunity. If I bring the dog out. Every advantage. If we make it 300 yards in three minutes, there's your deer. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's awesome. That's your best outcome. Well, yeah. You just, for me, looking at it, that at that, uh, that scenario, like you've already spent two grand taking that shot. You, you, you've you've bought the best of everything else. Getting that dog to do that work is just a continuation of that same exactly. yep. thing in my mind. If you follow the steps properly, you increase your odds. And a lot of times it's not a fatal shot, but I can still take you in there and show you your deer. Right. Sure. We go in there, the deer gets up, runs off. You can tell it's not, it's not hurt. You're yeah. going to have to go hunting again. And that is a huge peace of mind. A lot of guys, you know, once they draw blood on a deer, their season is done unless they get that deer. I mean, they just don't want to go out there and shoot another deer, and they don't they don't want that deer to be wasted or, or wounded. Yeah. You take those guys that go to that uh, outfitter that you know over there. Yeah. Hups. You know, Hups. They're for there for a weekend. They don't, you know, they don't have time to fail. So right. You know, success is paramount, and they've paid. You've already paid everything. Money. Yeah. 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 So you're. Yeah. So that was. That was my question about it. Do you? What is your percentage of those guys? 
uh, that, that just want the service because that's just a continuation of what they already do versus how many people are just made a bad shot and lost it. I'd say there's only about 5 or 10% that have me still come, even though most of the people we can do on the interview and, 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 and uh, if they have any sign or any kind of distance to their blood trail. Gotcha. Now, a lot of guys just can't get any blood. There's just no sign. You know, the, the deer was 20, 30 yards. They shot it with a gun or shot it with a bow. They can't find the arrow. They just can't. Well, a lot of people, they get that buck fever. They get so excited. They don't have no idea where that deer went, which direction. You know, they'll be tracking, looking positive in their mind that they shot that deer right there and it ran directly that way. And then you get there, the, de- the dog tells you something completely different. Over and over. And they're like, no, no, there's no way that the deer went this way. The dog's pulling this pulling that way. I think the dog was going the wrong way. Just, just let me, let him walk around. You know, even if I am going the wrong way, I'll, I'll walk the extra mile. But sometimes there's something over there that's got his attention that until I release his curiosity, he's going to continue to think about that. So sometimes I'll just take him over, smell a hole, and then turn around and come back and get on the track. But that's like the deer I shot this year out of the blind. I've got a window of about right. 20 yards in either direction, and then I have no idea what happened to it after the try, though. And then there was no blood for the first No blood. blood. So while that deer was not bleeding, that's the only time I've ever seen it. So when he got there with the dog, even though I knew I'd put a pretty good shot on it, the deer was beneficial, or the dog was be- beneficial to finding the deer because I just assumed it stayed on the trail, but it did not. It went up uphill. the hill. Uphill. Yeah quite a ways and you would have probably found that deer with, yeah. without the without the dog but you might have spent more time doing it absolutely yeah yeah um by myself i would have had to walk down the hill so far and then back up the hill and i'd have had it done eventually that. you would have circled into it oh yeah and for the dog a short track big reward oh yeah all we're doing is making our dog right. better it's just increasing our odds of recovering our deer each time and you know on that particular when that was the dog's first real trail job wasn't it yeah so it was good for him, and it was a good confidence booster, and he's done really good oh, since then. He's found the last five I put him on since then. He did amazing that day. It's yep. like He's been just like yeah, that since yeah. then. Yeah. He, uh, he actually broke loose from you and was and bolted out of there. Yeah, I couldn't catch him. I jerked that leash. 30-foot leash, he still jerked it out of my head. So when we found him, he was already on top of the deer. He's like, look what I found, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Well, we are two hours into this, so I guess we'll uh, – We'll call this with quits, but uh, appreciate you guys coming over. Yeah, and, uh, it's been awesome. It's always good to share some stories and lifelong friend that uh, yeah. all three of you guys yeah. guys are in most the, of my uh, memories and most of my stories. Well, you think about it, that's for sure. The uh, lots lots of deer hunting trips and stories with it, but uh, or maybe we'll talk bass fishing someday. We got a lot of that too. <laughs> I I think that's the best part of being a hunter is this part. Yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, it's, it's the camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. Legends. Oh yeah, yeah. Drone yeah. <laughs> Mount Wood legends. We uh we could do uh we could go trout fishing and uh we could do a podcast where we're sitting there sitting there in the ice. <laughs> do that. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't know your film being embarrassed, would you? There we go. But uh, all right, guys. Uh, appreciate you watching. Uh, this will be up probably Thursday on our YouTube channel, uh, the Shakedown Podcast, and obviously you can find it on Facebook at uh, Jalen One Four Eight Nine. So. More stories to come. Yep. Have a good night. See ya.